Welcome back to the Akatech Podcast. As always, I'm your host, a gambler walking away from the table, Jay. And joined as always is my co-host, winning a gazillion dollars, Z. <laughs> How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing all right. That's good. You know, that's the hardest. That's that's the thing about gambling is people always walk away before they win a gazillion dollars. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought this was going to be like a Kenny Loggins reference. Or not Kenny Loggins. Kenny Rogers. Oh, Kenny like no when to hold them, when to fold them. No when to walk away. Wait, that would have been good. But no, this was like that meme, that mean image where it's like there's there's like the two guys tunneling your way, <laughs> this, right? <laughs> and the one guy turns around. I'm afraid it's the diamonds. And he keeps tunneling, but then the other guy keeps going, and he's right about to hit the diamonds. And that's also with gambling. That's you, listener, with gambling. Remember, always remember. Always remember. Never stop before you hit the diamonds. You'll get there eventually, but if you you just need persistence. The house always loses. The house cannot win. They have a hard time winning. You're you're uh, you're gonna give people the impression that we're like gamblers, Jack. Oh well, one of us is actual this gambling. Is like a, this is like a couple weeks running where you've made reference to us gambling and and make haha jokes about me being addicted to gambling well hold on they're uh, they're funny though they're funny no i don't want to make it think that you're actually you're not, of course you're not addicted to gambling a little little bit of <laughs> hockey good. football betting is all right as long as you're not like betting on like russian soccer or something then you're we're doing all right <laughs> now i thought about betting on the rugby world cup the other day but it's because i uh am interested in rugby not because um you just, you just gotta get that high gambling. where it's like <laughs> I don't even know how much of it's true or what, you know, when it's just memes, you can get, you can find some pretty obscure stuff on there, but it's a memes or it's like, I'm fellows. I've found it. I'm betting on like high school, Russian women's <laughs> tennis. Like <laughs> yeah. I put it up there, I'm putting it all on Catherine Krakowski is about to win the uh, Siberian it's open. And we got a crosstown rival. Yeah. I'm going to hit this part like huge, <laughs> this huge, U13 like, <laughs> Algerian soccer tournament. Yeah. Bunch of elementary schoolers. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. Uh, speaking of parlays, for for that uh, small section of people who tunes into us for their Bills updates, oh, Bills, yeah. Bills lose today. Absolutely. Big loss. Against the Lost Jack me all Jack. my money, Jack. All of it? I didn't win a single one of my bets. Damn it. Which were numerous and high in value. <laughs> I've lost everything now. Not the podcast equipment, hopefully. Yeah, I've I've had yes, this is our last podcast because after this, my bookie will be coming to confiscate it all. <laughs> the repo man's gonna go, all right, it's on my list. But it's the Brits. I'm blaming it all on the Brits. Second time we've lost oh, yeah. in London. The refs the refs there, I don't know what they're doing. They were going crazy this week, I feel. How did you find? Did you find the refereeing fair? I don't know. I just kept up on. Uh, I didn't have. I didn't. I didn't watch it. I was somewhere else. Damn you, Jack. I just, I kept up on. Um, on. No wonder we lost. I. I don't know. Last week we watched it live and they won. That's true. And I did watch the Raiders game. We won that one too. And I didn't watch the Jets game. We lost that one. This is like that episode of It's Always Sunny. Everyone knows that everything every fan does <laughs> at home or at the stadium has a direct impact on the outcome of the game. Charlie, you got to put that leg back in that bear. Got to put that leg. <laughs> I love that scene. That is such a. I love that episode, just Charlie. It's great. Anyways, enough yeah. rambling. Let's actually talk about something. Perfect. Uh, so to start with, week, back, yeah, all shows, nothing but shows all the way down. Oops, all shows. Oops, all shows. Like, five new episodes this week. Four. Is that the first time we've ever? Well, we're gonna talk about four, but there were five new episodes of TV that I watched this week. Oh, that you watched? Okay. Yes, that has to be a first, right? Surely. 
I don't think that's. I don't think we've ever even come close. So the closest we've gotten so far is three, probably. Yes, I think three is the number we usually hit. Like House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings, something else. Last of Us. The Last of Us overlap with that? No, 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 that was later. It might have been like Tales of the Jedi or some shit. No, I don't know. I can't. I feel like there was something else last fall. Some Star. Maybe it was Andor. Was it Andor? Yeah, it was Andor, House of the Dragon, and I think. Lord of the Rings, yes. It was I think it was all three of those at once. But that's usually where we'll max out. I don't know if we've ever done four, much less five. Again, we'll only talk about four of them, but um I did also watch I am I have been keeping up with uh what's it called? Gen V. Oh right. So, I forgot about Gen craziness. V. But anyways, sp- starting off, we'll do Loki here, because that's the uh, season premiere and the rest are actually season finale. Season finales. But uh yeah, Lo- Loki season two. Um, one of the the third Marvel show that came out, obviously, and the first show we ever covered. That's true. So, is it the only show that's got a second season in the time we've started? No, we talked about this. It's got a. It oh, it's Bad Batch. Oh, it was Bad Batch. You're probably right about that, but we definitely mentioned stuff that all Wheel of Time, I think, too. Oh, right, Wheel of Time as well. You're right. I forgot. No, Bad. You're totally. It's definitely got to be a Bad Batch. I think we met it. We we must have made that distinction when we watched Bad Batch. Yeah. There you go. We'll make it every single time. Every time I show because it's season time. two, we're going to say it. House hey! of Dragon, Last hey, of Us. Hey, we did this. Hey, we did the first season of this thing. Hey. Hey. And, and or if that ever happens. In God eight willing. years. Um, so yeah, or- Ouroboros. Ouroboros? Ouroboros, not Aurora Borealis. Entirely what? in your kitchen. Steamed hams. Oh. <laughs> uh, so it's, well, it picks up, I mean, literally it, as soon as the last uh, season left off. Where, where Loki like found himself in a in some kind of timeline or something where uh, the TVA was all uh, what's it called themed? Kang related, Kang themed, Kang Kangified. <laughs> they got a big Kang redecoration, um, and he's like, "Oh, what's going on? No one remembers me. Oh no, oh no." And what it what it seems has occurred here, right, is that uh, we come to learn he's 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 in the past of the TVA, right, which. I think kind of I can remember when this show came when we, season one finished we had some we had complaints about the finale we're like mm-hmm. just reset everything and now Kang's like you know what fuck it mask off now but this kind of I think tampers those at least for me a little bit because it's like okay he's just he's it's the same TVA he's just he's been moved through time it's like okay that's that's better makes a lot of sense yeah I think we don't have to restart with Mobius because yeah. he just has to find his ver- his point in Mor- with Mobius exactly. Um, and you know the whole like end of the last season there was about how basically everything that the TVA was and stood for and they've been taught was all kind of not even kind of was like a lie constructed by by the he who remains. So that kind of makes sense too, right? That like because mm-hmm. Mobius is initially resistant to this and he's like, well, the time doesn't work like that. And it's like, yeah, maybe it does though. <laughs> kind of yeah, but- turns out. It turns out maybe you're not outside of time. You're just part of time. Mm-hmm. No one's outside of time, not really. Yeah, uh, they. There's a lot of yeah. It's it makes me it makes me wish that kind of we had you know the classic still a season a year kind of thing because this would, this would feel much more. You wouldn't have to kind of catch yourself remember everything that happened. The recap helps oh, a yeah. little bit, but this feels like more like it should have just been a year. But they don't do oh, TV yeah, like that. Like a, yeah, full two years. I, yep. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't do TV like that anymore. I don't know. Yeah. And it's you know what's crazy is like it honestly felt like maybe we we were gonna get back to it almost mm-hmm. almost almost 
and now the strikes right have done it everything again, up which I, again i mean had to happen but still it's it's somewhat frustrating yeah it's sure. unfortunate to say the least the timing of all yeah. those things because now everything's going to get delayed again and you know all this stuff but mm. i don't know i mean it's it's also becoming i i don't know seems more and more like it's just becoming the norm for tv like that's just the way things are going to be mm-hmm. so i don't know the new the new normal i suppose but anyways yeah i i totally agree with that like i definitely found myself being like oh okay gotta 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 ease back into this and figure out what's going on mm-hmm. maybe wonder if we shouldn't have watched it all again but yeah perhaps but whatever maybe i'll find the time maybe. in the next couple of weeks but yeah so basically loki keeps like uh rubber band and back and forth between yeah. these two times right in a pretty horrible way yeah seemingly at least this is not so bad <laughs> that was I, it, I, like the comedy was pretty good in this episode i think so i think in general like the yeah i i mean you know I, uh bruce we talked about it like before we got on here but yeah it's just it is a good show for sure mm-hmm. and it just has that higher level of polish and care i would think compared to some of the other marvel stuff yeah um you know not now that we've gotten it, I was saying I feel like this is kind of like the uh, closest thing for the MCU stuff that we've gotten to, like the the Andor of Star Wars, whatever. Mm-hmm. What are I trying to say? <laughs> this is like there's there's the Andor, Andor of Marvel, the Andor of Marvel, or maybe Andor is the Loki of Star Wars because <laughs> this technically Loki did come first, but it's just like that's just to say it's a show that actually is justifying its own existence, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like. It's got something like something. Yeah, exactly. It's got something to say. It's got some actual ideas. It's not just like something that feels completely like it was just kind of made by committee or whatever. Yeah, they although just... there's it's not completely fair because we do like some of the other Marvel stuff, but this does feel yeah. the most unique, I think. Right? Yeah, with, especially with I guess it feels so fresh enough because of the recent Marvel things we've had with the absolute letdown that was Secret Invasion. Obviously, Gardens was very good, but that again was also seen as like for most people an anomaly like a mm-hmm. rare good thing like a truly good movie in the marvel thing people i even like, like guardians was like th- the third of like a trilogy right yeah. like it wasn't it wasn't exactly breaking new ground mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now there's anything wrong with it but yeah there's doing different and yeah, things. Sec- it's, it's, this show is kind of like the polar opposite i feel like of secret invasion which was like in a lot of ways a pretty boring show like really kind of uh pedestrian for a marvel thing right mm-hmm. it was just a lot of normal human beings sitting in rooms like talking to each other wearing normal clothes and shit like yeah <laughs> and it had its moments but yeah overall we were definitely not fans of that so this definitely feels like a a, a breath of breath of fresh air just like kind of like it was the first, first time, time yeah oh yeah but we have uh mobius and uh the hunter lady b17 sure take your word for it uh be something i know they go to meet the judges and they're all like what's going on what do we do and they kind of explain the revelations from last season which is that yeah they're everyone in the tva has been like uh t- like kidnapped out of time basically hmm. and uh made to exist here for all eternity and that maybe uh pruning pruning the timelines isn't the way forward because they're just is it it doesn't actually help it just kills Lots of people. Trillions and unknown people. Um, and they mostly get their point across, so they're going to stop pruning for the time being. Uh, but now we need to resolve Loki doing all the jumping back and forth, right? Mm-hmm. So we go meet or- Ouroboros, or however you say it. 
Ouroboros? There's so many O's. Yeah. That- Ouroboros. <laughs> Good enough. Obi, uh, as he's nicknamed. Obi. Yeah, let's just call him Obi. How about? Yeah. Who we knew, we saw from the one trailer, right? Who's played by Kihi Kwong. Um, doing a great job. He's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Great to see him again. He works in parts and services or something like Pairs that. Pairs and advancement. Yes. So he's just the maintenance guy, pretty much. And he seems to be in like a... It's, it's Moby sits off the beaten path. It's got a yeah. gr- it's like a light green white aesthetic as opposed to like dark brown and orange aesthetic of the rest of the TVA. It still keeps that old like 50s, 60s kind of corporate style, but mm-hmm. different colors, a little bit different color wise, which I liked. I, I still like that style. It was cool to see it again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's a certain charm to it. Well, it's got the look oh, of like you- a a mailroom somewhat as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. At least in the sense that he's oh. got those like those pneumatic tube tubes. Uh. But yeah, this especially this scene, like it, it definitely you see now, or it was either different takes or it was like edited down a bit for the trailer. But seeing it fleshed out definitely flows good. He's he's very funny in this. Mm-hmm. Good timing. I don't know. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. So they come to him for advice, and he basically explains what they all gotta do to fix Loki here, dealing with yeah, the yeah. temporal loom and shit. Yeah, he's like time slipping, and they're like, well, you can't time slip in the TV because there is no time, and. He's like, well, it just happened. He just slipped in front of your face. He's like, yeah, I'm having trouble reconciling all this. This is uh, this is tough. I thought that was funny. And so Loki like slips during their conversation, slips back in time and meets past OB. And so as he's talking to Mobius in the future, he's talking to Loki in the past. And so he like slowly starts to remember things like, oh, wait, actually, I this did happen before. <laughs> I did see Loki in the past years ago. But I and he and I had the thing that right here, actually, the thing you need immediately. And I know exactly what to tell you. There's a part where Mobius is like, are you like remembering things as like you have a conversation with Loki in the past? And he's like, yeah, I guess I am. That kind of makes sense, right? And he's like, yeah, I guess it makes sense. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, sure. Which is kind of fun. Because it is one of those things where it's like on like a surface level, right? Movie logic. It's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Obviously, if you think too hard about it, it's like that doesn't really make sense because it's not either he remembers or he doesn't remember it. Like you, <laughs> you yeah. can't he can't be remembering things in real time because for him, it's all already happened. It's not yeah, whatever. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah, it works for the scene. That's fun that he's, yeah, they're, they're at some points like mirroring the conversation where he's saying the same thing to both people and stuff. It's, it's good. Good bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go down. Well, before that, when they're in the conference room, Loki goes to a past version of the conference room on his way to find Mobius and sees like a bunch of Kang heads and, Kang, according of Kang, talking to oh, what's her name? Rank, Reina, Ranka. No, oh, what's her uh, face? Yeah, R- Ren, Some, Renslayer. Renslayer, yeah, Renslayer. The the head of she was Ren- the head, or she was one of. Oh my goodness, Nicholas Holt from the Nick Cage film Ren Renfield. Renfield, what? you're here. His boss is Dracula. He's in the he's MCU. Aquafina. Oh my goodness, Aquafina copy. You're also here. What? But you were already in Shang Chi. Okay. Oh my goodness. But, yeah, I hope that happens in Blade. Ali <laughs> kills Nicolas Cage, Dracula. That'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. What a, what a melding of the minds. But you were saying. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so we get a recording of that, and he's like, "Okay, I think he's like." So we so that Kang does have a relationship with. Uh, you said Renfield, and now that's the only name I can think of. <laughs> Renslayer. Renslayer. The the she wasn't the head, but she like was Mobius's boss. I can't remember her. Ah, she was something like that. Yeah. Um she was at least and, one of the judges. Yeah, yeah, she was something like that. 
And so it's like, okay, this is like recording. So it shows that her and King have a relationship like they do in the comics. Cause I know we brought that up, but they didn't really dress in season one. And then Loki gets ripped back to the present in that room. So they all see him again. They're like, oh, well, Loki, okay, Mobius, you remember me, so it's all great. And he uses like a the pruning stick to prune the wall so to reveal like Kang's the Kang faces from the past. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, there's something else going on here. This guy is probably has used you before and erased your memories and kind of changed tactics. Which is what I'm thinking happened that he ran yeah, it yeah. just him for a while, and then maybe the war of the Kangs broke out or something, and it had to change. Yeah, exactly. Well, because Loki has it, like you said, that recording. Mm. something about her being serving him in the war or something so either the kangs or like i thought maybe even that something happened internally in the tva where maybe yeah, they all found out yeah they they found out previously and a similar thing happened but there was some kind of like civil war then that kang was able to sort of suppress and that's when he wiped everyone's memory and set it up like that but now obviously he's not around to do that going forward because mm. sylvan um, murked him <laughs> yeah we see uh, Morbus talks to Loki about that. He's like, oh, it tells all the stuff that happened from season one. Like, oh, Sylvia killed him. We met the um, the man beyond time. Miss, we can't trust Miss Minutes. She's like working for him. He, there's like a mural behind him of a Kang war. Yeah. Why would they, why would they have that up there in the present? <laughs> it was like a weird thing to have. You're not supposed to find out that Kang's a real thing, but it was a cool little image. Uh, they do a fun little bit where he's like, oh my gosh, she beat you? And he's like, well, no, we, it was mutual. I actually wasn't trying to fight her. I actually was like trying to stop her. He's like, you guys both t- through time doors. Is that what happened? He's like, it's unimportant. We just got to save her. Uh, and then he gets ripped. And then they do the, they give to OB. And then we get back to that point. Uh, and they go to the, the temporal loom, which is like this little bunker thing with this, obviously out in like, not space, but the void. Yes, maybe. What void. <laughs> not really clear what's going on. Yeah. Exactly, but one of the things it's like, don't worry about what this yeah. is. Just, where does the TV exist? Is it like a space station? Is this where is this? It's yeah, exactly. Don't worry too much about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, Owen Wilson has to put on a space suit looking thing and go out there and fuck with it. Yeah, with a huge tube on the back and it's super bulky. And he does that, and the loom starts looming again. Starts spitting out literal time thread. It's not <laughs> again. Don't worry too much about it. Yeah. It's all um, Marvel sci-fi comic yeah. book magic bullshit. But they can intentionally rip Loki out of time so that he stops getting pulled back and forth and he's just stable in the one time. Uh, but then Loki also wants to find Sylvie, right? And he wants to mm-hmm. stop uh, those other guys from going after her. So he kind of like runs off. And basically the episode climaxes, right? With like, it's looking like Mobius is not going to make it back in time and he's going to get his skin peeled off or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, that was, a... and uh, Loki's like about to see Sylvie, and then, but he does, you know, he does the thing, of course, and he decides to like, actually, I'm gonna go save Mobius, and then he does, mm-hmm. he yanks him back yeah. in just in time, and they'll, uh, you know, live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that right before he gets right, before he prunes himself so he can center himself and save Mobius. There's a there's the classic phone. There's a phone ringing. Yeah, um, which I assume. That future he went to is going to happen soon. I assume he'll find that he'll actually answer that phone at some point. Like he'll there'll be a loop and he'll see himself prune himself and then answer the phone and see what's going on. Um, I would hope. Uh, so that's interesting. And then I think there's a po- there's a post credit scene after this when they're all saved and set where Sylvie just goes to 1982 McDonald's. That's right in Oklahoma. And she wants she wants everything. She, she wants, wants to eat 
to McDonald's. And when it used to be, you know, good and affordable and not a hundred dollars. She talks about uh or not she talks about but the the I think it's funny that the cashier guy is like, We got new chicken McNuggets. <laughs> Our new chicken McNuggets. And I was like, Man, could you imagine, Jack? Imagine a time when chicken no, McNuggets no. were new. Yeah, it was like a newfangled thing. What a wonder. What a joy that must have been. What a time. And they broke out the McChicken. If only I could have been there. But I've, I live in a time where they've ruined it. I had a big argument with my coworkers the other day about McDonald's, partially. Where I was just like, and I, I know you'll be on my team with this one, Jay. But it's just like, sometimes McDonald's is just good, man. And like, sometimes McDonald's is going to be better than... Because the, the core of it was like, oh, well, I can always make something at home better than you can you can get anywhere, whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's technically true by like certain metrics, maybe even most metrics. But sometimes you just want McDonald's, man. Sometimes you don't want to like, you want something quick and easy. But also like sometimes you want it to taste like it's from McDonald's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You, you just get that craving. I mean, sure, they've like programmed it in your brain, but. Yeah, exactly. Listen, I won't dispute any of that. I'm just saying sometimes you'll want that, that Mickey D's, man. You can't be like, oh, well, I can make a burger at home with high-quality ingredients and this and that, and it'll taste better. Yeah, technically, I guess. I guess. But it won't taste like McDonald's, you know? And that's what I want. I want shitty wet lettuce. I want it to taste like that. Do you understand? I want that I want that feeling in my gut that's like, mm, I'm taking years off my life, but I don't care. I don't want it to taste good. I want it to taste like that. Yeah. A, so. If it was all about quality, these places wouldn't exist. But yeah, obviously the point of that scene, right, is that Sylvie gets to like just kind of revel in her like freedom, right? Because now she mm-hmm. she thinks no one's gonna come for her and try to prune her, so she can just live her life and eat as much McDonald's if she wants, if that's what she wants. Yeah, but as we know, that's actually not gonna be the case. <laughs> no, they're taking the whole armory to go kill her or something. Seems that way. So, if anything, killing uh, he who remains. Almost might have had the opposite effect. Yeah, made her more hunted. <laughs> there, or at the very least, I mean, there's still as much after her as they ever were. So, unfortunately, no, no rest for the wicked there. No. And this scene also showed us when uh, fast food places used to be like you know unique and have cool places to sit and were interesting and That's set up true. and not just like that weird all gray brown now. black. Yeah, hmm? I said they're all gray now. <laughs> yeah, they're all just like weird, the weird like square modern aesthetic. It's like this. bullshit. Yeah. Give me when back to have a patio. Give me back my purple Taco Bells. What the hell? What about yellow Wendy's when they had a patio and they God only had chocolate? Damn it, Jack! Look what they've taken from us. And they've given nothing in return. McChickens are almost three dollars now. Can you believe that? No, I can't, Jack. I honestly can't. It it's it makes me so angry. I can't even think straight. <laughs> they they're they're lifeless. They're more expensive. They're like not even fast anymore. Oh, it's it's slow. They're, they've gotten to the point where they're like, you're sitting there after for five seconds. They're like, actually pull ahead and wait for 20 minutes in an awkward place at the f- kind of the front of the restaurant. It's like, this is terrible for traffic. We're trying to trick our their system into believing that we actually did this fast, but we didn't. Who's this for, Jack? Who, who benefits? Hmm? I don't know, but when I find out, I'm going to have a talking to them. You're going to go talk to them? Oh, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to I'm going to talk to them. But yeah, I mean, overall, solid, solid premiere, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Again, she's got a little bit, little bit of, a little bit of something, you know, a little bit of je ne sais quoi on this show, you know, a little bit of character, a little bit of soul, a little bit of, she's got a little bit of soul to it, you know. It looks, it looks interesting, it feels interesting, and they're saying and doing interesting things. Mm. I don't it's not just like, like 
It's me, Nick Fury, yeah. and I'm gonna kill Maria Hill in the first episode. Oh, Gravik, you, you villain. Oh, and the Super Scrolls are here. Oh, okay, cool. <sighs> They're just gonna do Super Scroll things like you'd expect. Look at yeah. Ben King's she's gonna got, get a third of a tomato in one bite. She's got Groot powers. What do you, what do you think of that? Is that something I could interest you in? Some Groot powers? Okay. It's like, yeah, this is just. It's cool. I don't know. I have seen some people say that like they didn't think it was as good or this or that or like I don't know. But um, I think as like a season premiere, it it you know catches us up to speed, sets the stage. Yeah. I honestly thought it was like a big kind of moment. Like there's a, there's a pretty big action set piece kind of thing for a for a premiere. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I thought it was sufficient. It was to my I, like. I I'll tell you what. I was surprised. I thought for certain for some reason that like there's going to be two. When I clicked over to Disney Plus, I guess they've just conditioned us that way for so long. But not the case, Jack. Just, well, just finally, we don't like scramble. Which, yeah, honestly, I, I, I'm at the point where I kind of prefer because I do think it takes a little bit of the fun away. I'm sure there's some people who like feel the opposite. I, I'm sure we've and I'm sure we've gotten into this before on the show, but hmm. doing the two or three at once almost is the worst of both worlds because it's like you don't actually get like the build up and like the fun. You know, between the episode discourse and hype and theorizing and stuff, because it's like, well, the other one's right here. Uh, and then you also just, you're taking that off the back end, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're still going to do weekly releases, then you may as well do them all weekly instead of doing three and then only releasing the other ones or whatever. I don't know. So, yeah, this is fun. Oh, yeah. It's this and then maybe Echo later this year, although we're getting. We're getting close you know, to the end here. Surely we're creeping up on the end of the year. So by the time this is done, we're going to be into November. November? Maybe December? So I don't, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not. Like the skeleton crew, like we were talking about. Like that was supposed to be this year, but now it's. Now it's never coming out? Doesn't exist? <laughs> I think it will. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was the one that the, the rumor was that like they were going to do it all at once for the first time. Oh, really? Testing yeah. that out? For one of these, um, at least for one of these, you know, tentpole Marvel, Star Wars, Disney Plus kind of projects. They were just going to do the whole thing at once because they don't have a lot of confidence in it. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, just the wait and find out. All right. What do we right, say? So, what do we do? Yeah, we probably could take out of that. Trailer cash, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Uh, two big thumbs up from us. Um, uh, f- uh, four and a half out of uh, 17. Well, what do we? That's a good score. You know, it's like golf. The lower the score, the better. That's how I do my ratings. Do we, uh, how does the show work? I don't remember. We don't, we don't do rankings consistently enough. No. Four Loki's out of five. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We did it. Uh, what's I got of that into, uh, decide. Pick now. Time. I picked good enough. Get our, get our rant out of the way. So this episode. Oh boy. Here we go. A, Here's was that a finale of a TV show that we watched. Oh boy, that wheel keeps on spinning, baby. Here I go spinning again. I'm I'm wheeling, baby. I don't know. This must be one of the the timelines that Rand saw in the portal stone <laughs> in the book, where the dark one wins in the end. <laughs> I win again, lose Theron. It's gotta be this one. He's like, wait, why is Matt at spoilers? Hero of the horn. What is this? What's happening? What's happening what? here? What's happening? Why does the horn oh. look like that? Yeah, it's very. So I said to you, Jack. <laughs> Before I got on here, I said to you, I says, Jack, that was the best episode I've ever seen. I said, it's kind of the best episode and also the worst episode of this show they've ever done. This episode to me is kind of a like perfect distillation of everything that is wrong with this show. 
Oh yeah. It's like the very embodiment of of yeah, like what the show does wrong for for me at least. And again, I'm sure I have no doubt that like most of the stuff we talk about when we talk about the show comes across as like book reader nitpicking. Mm-hmm. But it's just I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where you just if you haven't read the books, and again, I, this is like a pretentious thing to say to a degree but it's just like you don't really you just don't know how much of it is kind of being glossed over or like being warped horribly yeah and like yeah it seems fine but again it's like the thing i said was that almost everything that happens is is approaching what happens in the books and almost executing on it but just off just ever so slightly in a way that is usually i think for the worse (laughs) yeah it's it, they get they get right up to the end and then they pull it then they do a 180 into the weirdest way to like do the thing they have to do. It's like why would we why would you do it that way? You were you almost did it exactly right. You were right just there. Al- yeah, just altering the things honestly needlessly like a lot of times. And again, in, in ways that like the the big thing to me is that a lot of it is stuff that in the moment wouldn't necessarily make a big impact but it's just down the line it could have big ramifications Mm. and i don't know why they don't have the foresight because they're allowed to read all the books (laughs) yeah they could honestly set up more they could do like they can build it better because they have they could do more foreshadowing and set things up to more easily flow into other things it might be a little clunky in the books because the books aren't perfect if you absolutely not anyone ever listened to the hour and a half we talk about the books when we talk about three of them at a time I don't think anyone has, but if you did, you would know that even the good books we talk about have complaints, especially mm-hmm. 10, 10 and nine aren't very good. Sure. But so, yeah, I, I know, okay, let's get, let's get into specifics here about, mm-hmm. so we opened the episode with a flashback to the age of legends, which is how we started the finale last year, which is kind of fun. I like yeah. this. Um, and this is basically the instance of when loose Theron sealed Shamael up. Sealed him up. Got him in there. And Got him in at the eye of the world. Overall, I think this is actually... I think this is fine. I think it's actually kind of interesting. Um, basically, I, I and I think we've talked about this off, off show here, right? But the show seems to be playing off of certain concepts that Robert Jordan had at one point and abandoned eventually for the books. Um, but it's kind of revitalizing them. And I, and I think it's that's interesting. I think... I mean, we've talked about, like, adaptation and stuff before, and, like, well, you may as well do something different if you're going to do it, right? And so, in that sense, I really don't have a big complaint, because what they're doing here is that, seemingly, each one of the Forsaken is sealed at a different location Yeah. with one of the seals, each of which is some is kind of an eye of the world, which is originally how he was going to do it, was that there was going to be 13 eyes of the world or something, or however many, and they were all going to have a seal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that, I honestly, I don't have a big problem with. I think this is actually kind of interesting, yeah. personally. So we've got a Shamile here, and basically he's the last of them to get sealed up. And yeah, this is, you know, what where at the end of last season we see he kind of manipulates Rand into letting him go, right? So I think this is all kind of cool. We get, you know, more of his motivation, like what a Shamile's deal is. Yeah, he just kind of hates living. He doesn't like being reborn. Because he basically thinks it's all pointless, right? It's like a yeah. nihilist kind of thing. Um, and this is what's said in the books, is that, like, he kind of, like, he basically did the math. <laughs> like, he went over to the shadow out of a place of pure logic, almost, in a way mm-hmm. that most of the others didn't. Almost everyone else went, came at it from a different angle, right? 
Yeah, they don't want power or they hate. They couldn't beat loose therein. Yeah, power or greed or jealousy of some description. Um, whereas he's just like, he's like, well, I've done the numbers, fellas. I've like, run the math. He's like, if this happens infinitely, he has to win eventually. We can't win forever. And he gets to try forever. So I think I better just go to his team and he'll break it and we'll just be done with it. How about <laughs> we don't yeah, got to do it just, forever. I don't have to live anymore because I hate living. This sucks. <laughs> Uh, and then he's like, Luz, we're just going to do this. Like, if you kill me, I'm just going to come back and we're going to do this thing again. Like, don't you see? It's never going to end. We're just going to always be friends and then always betray each other. Like, it's just never going to end. So just, we just got to let him win. Please, come on. Just one time. And that's why Luz like, is like, so I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> I'll just steal you away. There. Boom. I'm going to trap you here for all time. Which, they I mean, when you, when you put it like that, it does seem kind of fucked up, huh? Yeah. Even for like the worst guy who's ever lived. I am a bit like, man, that's a pretty uh, full-on thing to do, I think. Yeah, is to, very much. Because that's not really... It's not a, It's not as intentional of a move in the books. Mm-hmm. Right, but this is very much presented as like, we're going to get you and put you here forever. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to take you off the board entirely. But I mean, interesting. I, again, I've, I don't really have a problem with the little... the prologue bit here. Mm-hmm. And that's... Well, kind of where it stops. <laughs> it doesn't get better. So then the first thing we get is um, Jeff from Bornhold and his son, Dane, who are the... Dane Bornhold? The white- Dane Bornhold, oh my gosh. He's in the books. And uh, they're the White Cloaks guys, and he's like, we're going to attack Falma, and we're going to kill him all, and it's going to be dope, because we are we have the light on our side. And this is, again, the first in a in a something of a, of a parade here of, of minor changes that kind of... Fuck everything up. Fuck everything up a little bit. <laughs> but this is one where, in the book, he's a lot a lot more pragmatic, and he's like, well, we can't win, right? He's, in fact, shown to be one of the only children of the light who's not a complete, Insane like, zealot. Zealot, exactly. And he's like, well, we can't win. I'm gonna send... His son isn't there in the books, but he's like, I'm gonna send this other guy off with the message to, to relay what has happened to us and tell my son how I died, kind of thing. And that's mm-hmm. the best I can do here because we can't win. Whereas in this one, he's like, we're going to do it. We're going to we're gonna take it because God wants us to. We're going to kill those fucking witches and the Shantan slavers. We're going to get them, boys. Come yeah. on. Which is fine. I mean, again, it, for anyone else who isn't him, it certainly works for the Children of the Light because that's how they are. But mm-hmm. whatever. Fine. Um, and then we're in the ways like we were last week, right? With Lanfear and Rand and uh, Lan and Moraine. And she boots him out. Lanfear does because she's obviously evil <laughs> trying to manipulate Rand. Or is she? Uh, maybe they were where they needed to be. Hmm. Hmm. But she just kicks him out in like a random beach way gate. That's like, yeah, it's just a it's just a way gate in a beach for some reason. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> They're supposed to be in steadings. What is that? Yeah. Okay, fine. I don't fine. <laughs> Why is it still like perfectly pristine? Why is nothing befallen it? Just Why is it in the middle whatever. of the ocean? The world may never know. I assume it's in, it's in the ocean because of the breaking, and it wasn't always like at a beach. But yeah, why is that gateway just like like with some polishing it every day from seawater? Who knows? <laughs> who, who can say? Uh, then he's like, "Well, how are we supposed to get to Alma?" Rand or says it's the land fear, and land fear's like, "No, nah, it'll be sick. The wind won't get us because we'll do a different way," which I assume is traveling. Who knows, right? I mean, we never see what they did. Yeah, I assume that they didn't show us it because they think they're getting more than season three. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will. 
So I think they might be like, a, "Ooh, we're gonna this. We don't know this power. They just teleported, and then eventually it's gonna be like, oh, and it was actually traveling the whole time." But knowing this show, they're gonna actually fucking bungle that one too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll be nothing. There you go. Uh, then Perrin and his IO friends <laughs> and Hopper. Perrin and Hopper. Perrin and friends arrive at uh, the great city of Falm, a the, massive the, city. Big ass city so of big in the desert. Great. Um, so they're there. People are gonna wake from the dream. That's cool. Like that. I got, I don't have a problem. I don't. The, the whole long morning thing is not an expression I ever recall from the books, but that's just me being picky. Uh, yeah. Lanfear and Shamael meet, and they're like, and she's all like, "You need my help. Remember, we're like good friends." It's like, are you? Said about when were you ever friends? I don't know, but uh, they reveal that their plan ultimately here is to make loose there and like I.E. Rand uh, join them like willingly, right? like switch switch teams here. This is their big plan, right? Yeah, they're doing it. They're going to trick him into thinking all his friends are going to turn evil. So the only way to stop that is for him to go evil to protect them because that's kind of in his whole thing. Which, in the logic of the show, not a bad plan. No, it's fine. Um, I think it's pretty much in line with how he thinks in the books, which is either like, well, I'll turn you or I'll kill you and try again. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if I kill you, we just get to do it over. We'll just wait for you to if come. Not, if not, like, win uh, without you kind of thing. Uh, then we get the Children of the Light. They do a big charge. They get into fall mode. This is fine. I don't know what the point of the whole, like, look at, we have weird little children carrying Burn. incense burner things. To I thought I'd make a bunch of smoke. I thought it was, like, an interesting. I was like, oh, that's, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, the Hydra cool. charge. It's creepy where do they go when the horses come? Yeah, whose kids are those? Whose kids are those, Jack? Where'd they come from? I think I think they just grabbed orphan kids they find. Dressed them up like tiny little white cloaks and sent them out there. <laughs> Get out there, kids. Be trampled by horses. There's always more orphans. That's the thing about orphans. If you're going around killing people for no reason, you can always get more kids. That's true, actually. Very good point. Uh, so then we have Elaine and Nynaeve. Uh, she's she's in disguise, and we have Sita, who they've disguised as a Demani. This is all really good, actually. I was quite a fan of this. Um, pretty pretty much in line with the books, right down to like the line she gives. Even the whole like, I'm gonna make if you if you fuck with me, I'm gonna make you regret the first time your dad still kisses from your mom or whatever. <laughs> It's yeah. fun. It's all pretty good. Um, which I, so they put the demoni or the 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 idam on her, and they don't really seem to put two and two together. No, um, because in the books they're the ones who figure it out. Well, they they both do separately, basically. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it's yeah they don't seem to put two and two together, or at least no emphasis is drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe the we as the audience are not meant to have either, or. Maybe you could. I don't know. Whatever, right? It's kind of a thing where it's like, wait, what's happening there? Yeah, how come she can do it? Um, but it's not really addressed until a little bit later. And uh, then we have because of the attack, and this is like where things start to kind of diverge, right? So because of the attack, Aquain is taken out and and like used. They're they're mobilizing all the Demani to defense. So, mm. uh, not even Elaine can't sneak in, even though they've. <laughs> They've got their nice little plan. It's they're, got they're, a lot of potential, but dash to hope, dash to ruin. <laughs> Turns out to be of no use to them. Yeah. Um. So then we we get to Matt, and uh, well, before that, I guess while they're getting Gwen ready, she like cuts her braid off, and it's like, "Fuck you, Gwen. Why are you so mean? Just Why do don't you I listen say. to me? Listen to me. Just do what slaver. I say. Come on. I treat you like, like a pet. Isn't that something you'd like? <laughs> uh. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like symbolic, right? Because of the whole two rivers thing. 
yeah, her braid is important. And we, and we did see that in the, in the first season. So that's good, I guess. Mm. So it's a bit of a shame. But uh, then Padan Fane's like, here, mate, don't you want this dagger? Because of the vision of Shamael saw, if, uh, if he thinks if he gives the dagger to Matt, Matt will kill Rand, which is good for him. He wants that. So there you go. Or, well, I should say the vision Min gave, right? Mm. Where's she? Who knows? Who cares? She's doing... Left in Kyrian, I guess. <laughs> She's like, I wonder where everybody went. Never to be seen again. Yeah. A very important character in this book, no less. Uh, Land and Marine makeup. He's all like, could you stop maybe? And she's like, good point. <laughs> you know what? You know, I figured out we're not actually equal. You're right. And Ryan's like, no, actually, Lynn, you're better than me. Okay, Which, whatever. Fine. Some ways, I guess she's probably correct, technically. It's not really. I don't know. I, yeah, who knows? <laughs> so much time has been spent on their dynamic, this show. I just don't get it. I just don't care. It's not that deep, really. It never was. He mostly just does what she says, guys. Like you don't really need to make Yeah, to the point where he's like he's like, Hey, just got bothering you. He's got that kind of energy to him all the time. Yeah. As he should, okay? Yeah, that's, that's his the job. Whole point. Uh Perrin makes it into the city with his friends and they're like, Loyal, you're my friend too. And Loyal's just like, Hey, I got the horn. I just fucking mapped it. <laughs> it's Ingtar, I'm here and Ingtar's here, he got his armor back somehow? Or is he wearing Sean Chan armor? I don't I they were, What's happening? It was like prison. They kept all their stuff in like a little cubby labeled Ingtar. <laughs> and Ingtar's like, we need to get out of here with the horn. It's more important, which is pretty on brand for Ingtar. Yeah. He, he really loves that horn. Can't get enough of it. And But then Loyal's like, well, screw the horns. The heroes of the horn. We're the heroes of now, which is a bit cheesy, I thought. <laughs> but on the nose. It's a bit cheesy. I'm like, all right, it's Loyal. He's he's kind of cheesy like that, I guess. He's all about he's hero, sure. being a hero. So I was like, that's not. It's not, it's not the worst thing they could have had him say. And stories and books and things. He's yeah. all about it. So fine. That's fine. Bunch of fighting. Um, Egwene and, and the rest of the Demonies start fighting against the White Cloaks. Uh, then we get to a scene which I actually quite enjoyed. I'm interested to see your take on this. But Rand rolls up to the whatever palace area um, to try to save Egwene or whatever he's got to do here. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, he encounters uh, Turoth. Or Turok, whatever he's called. Yeah. And Turok's there, and he's got his voice, and all his, like, honor guard guys, and he's all like, oh, you've got the heron-marked blade. Let's see what it takes to earn the blade on this side of the ocean. And he takes his sword out, and he does a stupid dance thing, and then Rand kills them all with the power. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I actually thought this was great. So in the book, they actually have a sword fight, and and they and Rand wins the sword fight, and he's like, oh, sick. I'm, I'm pretty much a blade master now. And that's a cool scene in the book, for sure. Mm-hmm. without a doubt but i think that in the show i honestly feel like we need to show it's it's more important at this stage of the sh- series in the show here for us to show that rand is good with the power because again we haven't got much of that yeah we you know we he's supposed to be the most powerful channeler but we haven't yeah he's, he didn't get to do um, <laughs> the defense of faldara right so i'm like if we get more of that in i feel like it can only be a good thing basically mm-hmm. So, yeah, show Rand trounce a bunch of dudes with the power. I think that's kind of cool, honestly. Because yeah. really, what value do we get out of a sword fight? I mean, it's it's tough. Like, in the book, it's it's this, you know, very symbolic thing. And he's having all these internal monologues about it. And he's like, oh, look at me. I'm disciplined. And the, so, but also, you, like, where we're at in the show is that Rand isn't a good sword fighter either. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, he's not good at anything. Like, we don't have the parts where, like, Rand has taught him sword fighting and he's all good yet, really. So. It really wouldn't have worked. So I honestly think this is a fine change. 
something a little different that I mm. did not have a problem with, honestly. And then, yeah. um, his voice just kills himself. His voice kills himself as is proper, yeah, like, <laughs> as happens in the book. Which is like, well, <laughs> when when Rand beats him, they all just start killing themselves, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? What's going on with you guys? You guys are to quote Egwene from this book. These people are insane." <laughs> uh, then we're in the streets, and Ingtar's like, "Oh, one man could hold a hundred, uh, could hold fifty here." Which this is one of quite a few things that happened in this book. Like, like I said, or, or in this episode, I mean, sorry. Like I said earlier, with, with Nynaeve's line and Turok's line there, that's something he says directly from the book. Where I feel like they take a lot of quotes from the book to try to make me think, like, oh man, look, they're doing the book stuff. But then they trick just, you. again, they butcher it every time, right? <laughs> so Ingtar goes, one man could hold 50 here. And Perrin's like, ah, you don't got to do that, though. <laughs> Why don't you <laughs> come on, do that? Going. There's nobody here yet. And then, and then he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm doing it." <laughs> Gets at me, and he yells for the light in Shinawa, and he runs in there. And instead of one man holding fifty, he gets about three of them and fucking dies. And they just die. and so two guys sneak up behind him and stab him to the back. And well, this is baffling, <laughs> frankly. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the best part. What so the best parts. I think we might have. Did we imply this or talk about it? I think I might have spoiled this. For anyone who doesn't hasn't read the books or whatever, but in the book, uh, Ingtar is a dark friend, or something of a reformed dark friend. It's not, you know, his motives are not explored super deeply because it's a, it's a, you know, last minute kind of, uh, it's a deathbed conversion for old Ingtar, right? Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, I thought that I could help my homeland, and I realized I fucked it because <laughs> saving my homeland from the." Shadow by joining the shadow doesn't really work, does it? It took ten seconds to think this one through. He's like, guys, I kind of regret it, so I'm gonna do the Anakin Skywalker thing here, and I'm just gonna like sacrifice myself, and that should that should help me out. Straighten everything. <laughs> that out. ought to redeem me, I think, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna take one for the team here. It's my fault that they got the horn. I let them in, and so I'm I'm gonna die here, saving saving you guys, help you know, covering your escape. And then he does, and you're all like, man. This was kind of an impactful moment because, you know, and he says the thing, the, the oft-quoted line um, in the series, no man walks so long in the in the shadow that he can't find the light again, or something yeah. to that effect. And, and Rain like, is there and tells him, before he does it, like, may the mother's embrace welcome you home or something. Yeah, may the last time he said the mother welcome you home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, you died well, uh, Ingtar. And then later on, he's able to tell me, he's like, nah, he died, he died to save us kind of thing. Um, but none of that applies. There's none of that context or depth to this scene. So, Ingtar, a guy we've seen for all of about four seasons, there's four scenes this season. I mean, he just dies, and you're like, okay, Ingtar's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, who could cool. give a shit, Jack? Who would I care? care? A little bit. Right? Like, this is, honestly, Ingtar's death remains one of the bigger, I would say, deaths in the series, right? There's not a ton of them, for one thing. Not um, yet. Right. Until you really until you get to like the last couple, very last yeah. kind of book, there's not a lot of big character deaths in the wheel of time. There really isn't. And um so yeah, Ingtar's death way back in book two, I would say remains one of the bigger ones for me. So to just take all of the actual weight and like <laughs> importance and character drama. out of it to just be like, ah, he's just a dude who like did a vaguely heroic thing to no effect. <laughs> I mean they did him so dirty, right? Like they, they actually <laughs> Demolish my boy. <laughs> what do they? Why would they do any of that? Why would you do that? Why? Why, Jack? At that point, just let him live. I mean, what the? Fuck? What the fuck? First, you kill Uno. 
randomly. randomly. Well, I, it's clear they <laughs> killed Uno now. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, Matt, I think we cut back to Matt at this point or something. I think it's Bale Beaumont. He's okay. like he's just like grabbing shit. Love Bale Beaumont. Uh, he's a good guy. He's wearing an interesting like, hat. He's fun. Fortune prick me and all that. Fortune prick me. It's Doobie a mighty gallon. <laughs> I do be thinking that's a bad idea, lady. Blah, blah, blah. Do. He doesn't actually talk that. <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. like, Lamphere's like, grab all those seals and dump them in the ocean, Beldoman. And he's like, fortune prick me. <laughs> I do be doing that. <laughs> I, I I'd guess. be throwing away a fortune. Uh, but he's like, all right, sure. I know you from previous scenes. Have they interacted? Not that I remember. No, not even once, I think. But they just know each other, so that's fine. Uh okay, and he's and so okay he does that. Um, then freaking Ishamael's like Suroth, we're doing this plan with Rand, remember? And she's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess I remember. Uh, I guess I'm still being uppity to you, even though you're like the guy in charge right now. Yeah, whatever. Suroth's. I mean, no one ever said she was a nice person. So no. Uh, then Matt. Uh, he's like, you know what? I've I'm gonna out I'm gonna outsmart this here. I'm gonna tie the dagger onto this stick. No, I, I'm not technically touching it, but I can carry it around. I haven't, I haven't technically touched it, but now I've got it. And I mean, this is actually this is fine. Um, I hope this doesn't become like his main weapon. Although it's kind of like a you know bastardization of a of a, a weapon he does get yeah. in the series and carries the whole time for the remainder. So I don't know. It's clearly some kind of iteration on that. We'll, we'll see where that goes in, in following seasons here. But he's got it, and it can just melt holes through doors and shit, so he, like, breaks out, and he's like, ha, ah, I got you, Pat on Fane. You suck. And just gets him. Pat runs away, but he stabs the guard. smarted him, which, that's, yeah, this is cool. He's just very proficient at this, um, which is fine, uh, except, like, in the book, we get, I mean, we see that a few times prior to this. Like, it's not, you know, it's a skill that Matt is shown to have, basically. Mm-hmm. Not something that just presented itself in an opportune moment. Yeah, almost plot conveniently. But that's fine. Ran, or, uh, Matt can uh, swing a stick around. So, there you go. Yeah. He finds Perrin that happens next. Oh, yeah. He starts running around. He's, he's fighting now, too. And uh, the battle's raging. Egwene's having a bad time. She's like, oh, actually, I'm like hurting people. Turns out, oh, women and children. Shit. She and she's real into it because she can kill the white cloak. She's like, "Well, I hate these white cloak fellas." Yeah, she's she's real into it for a second, but then she's like, "Oh no, the horrors of war! Oh dear! Oh, oh Christ!" And they're no longer as enthusiastic. Egwene <laughs> uh, or Elaine and Nynaeve are sneaking through the the city again on their like failed rescue attempt that <laughs> turns out to have no legs, and they're <laughs> they're uh, the woman they've captured is just hit with an arrow and dead. Yeah, she <laughs> dies. It's like fuck. Well, this is worthless. What a waste of time. Crazy. Uh, not not sure how to think about that. Uh, for reasons we'll get to in a second. Specifically, that's kind of an unfortunate outcome. Um, they're, they're fighting. Uh, Elaine also gets shot by an arrow. She's having a bad time. The tower that Egwene's in explodes. The, and she's the, like, oh, they I got trebuchets, I think. Yeah, the White Cloaks just put up trebuchets, apparently, as well. Like They're really going all in. Uh, but then, um, unfortunately... Is it Rena? Is still alive? Yeah, still Is alive. Egwene's still dumb. She's going on and yeah, on Rena. about how like she hates her and all that, and how dare she do this and all this kind of thing. And then, but Egwene gets her because all obviously gets an Adam from a dead Damani and slaps her on it. And then we get the reveal 
from Egwene that actually the Damani, all the Suldams can also channel, but they're so they don't have the spark. They're very weak in the power, so they they are passed over during testing. But that's how they build the link. It's through the channeling, mm-hmm. um, and obviously this this is a very big thing obviously because it we've talked about breaks the whole basically turns the whole shan chan culture upside down because mm-hmm. their whole thing is that channeling is evil and those who do it are evil but only the suldam keep in line yeah but the suldam are evil then who can you who can you trust so right they have to yeah their their whole culture is based on this like truth that they all believe that yeah like women just can't be trusted with the power that's just it's just for everyone's best interest that you have to chain them up and treat them like animals which does in, in reality does double duty right because yeah it's this like belief they have but also it's in a very realistic sense uh, the demani are the foundation of their power like because they're yeah. this um expansionist you know military regime yeah, they can and, always get more from the people they conquer yeah and th- that's the source of their power really they wouldn't be as good without the demani so you know the, the basically the whole basis of their power is this lie that they're perpetuating right and so if they accepted it then they would have to accept that they really can't have demani or shouldn't have demani or something about their system needs to change in which case their power would diminish or go away and and it's just a whole thing so it basically collapse like it it, yeah it has the potential yeah it has the potential to collapse their whole society basically if it if it comes out um and it's a thing that's explored you know, certainly in the later books, how different characters do or don't accept points, don't don't react or accept to it and all. Um, but this kind of brings me to what I was going to say about this, which is that in this episode, um, the the only people that this becomes a revelation to is Egwene, really. Whereas in the book, what happens is that Sita and Rena, so um, Egwene's demani that she or Egwene's Suldam that she captures here, right, mm-hmm. and the one that Nynaeve and Elaine captured are both left alive and then they're discovered by another individual and so that this truth is able to spread within Sean Chan. Sean Chan. Um, whereas in this episode they're both killed. <laughs> Egwene's and Nynaeve's are both killed uh, in different mm-hmm. ways and so this truth isn't able to like perpetuate itself so it's not really clear if or how that would become a thing and again that's one of those things that just feels short-sighted like also, these are two characters. That y- you know this, Jack. Uh, stick around for like ten more books. <laughs> yeah, they show like, up frequently. Yeah, they end up playing a you know minor but significant role in a different book, doing different things. Um, yeah, I think I believe at one point. I mean, she's dead now. Doesn't matter. In one of the books, Rena's in the White Tower. They have Rena, and it's revealed that like yeah, they the I said I think that Rena, oh no, she's in Andor. That's where she's in Camelon. They're like yeah, she's. She's gonna like do. We think she's gonna do something bad to prove to, to like prove to us that like actually I can't be trusted. So actually my truth is right, and I should be collared. And I don't have to change anything actually. So like that's not her, but it, it's not. It's her? Just, I couldn't remember. No, it's one of the different ones. The, the they are the ones who end up with Matt. Oh, I never. Their name. I can never remember any of their names. There's too many names. Right, right. It's so it's it's Rena, Sita, and then they're discovered by a third individual who is. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. But Rena, who's the horrible, spiteful, mean one to Egwene, she's treated as the worst by the story as well. She's the one who just—I mean, spoilers for the later books—but she's the one who tries to run away and give them up. Oh man, Ren- hit the track and them down. Matt 
tracks her down fucking crossbows her. So <laughs> she gets her comeuppance basically for being a piece of shit. The other ones are more kind of uh, open to the idea of change, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, by killing them both, they remove that story possibility. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know why. I just <laughs> again no. You get so close. Also, I gotta say, um, this is a this is like a pretty big implication for Gwen's character. Um, the way she murders this woman is is pretty fucking bleak. So I I don't know how to feel about that either. Yeah, because like, Gwen goes hard in the books, but she's never she never goes that hard. She's not like doesn't kill doesn't kill people like that. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I I don't feel that way. I'm trying to think like it made me wonder like when is the first time she kills anyone in the books? And I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, she um, killed some Black Aja later on, but they they deserve it. They got it coming. Yeah, it might be that. I mean, she kills Sean Shane during the during later books and stuff for different reasons. But I, it's not often uh, that she full on kills anybody. I mean, because of the three O's and all that. But hmm. yeah, I don't know. This is completely like a vengeance killing that she does. It's pretty full on. I gotta say. So I don't know how to feel about that. But uh, whatever, fine. <laughs> Because I'm not sure, like, oh, she's going to leave her there, and then people will discover what... But no, fuck it, kill her. Uh, so then Matt runs into the everyone in the streets, and then we're all teamed up. And he's like, oh my god, Perrin, how'd you get here? And he's all like, Matt, how'd you get here? Oh my goodness. Oh my god, we're all in the place together. Leave taking and all this. What luck. Uh, and they're like, all right, we got to get to Rand to help him. He needs the horn. He needs to blow he the needs horn. The horn. Why do they all agree Rand needs to blow the horn? Because he's a who fucking knows. I can't remember why. Because he's a. They dragon. don't even know he's a dragon, though. Like none of them. Know, like it's even they have even less information, I think, than they should at this point in the book. Because I don't think because they all think he's dead. They thought he was dead. Like it's like when did Perrin learn? It's like right in this scene, right? Because Matt's like, oh, I saw him. He's alive. I promise. He's also here. Coincidentally, haha. Yeah. And Perrin's just like, all right, cool. I guess you have to get this to him. I, I feel like that's never really explained. Mm-hmm. But. Who knows? Fine, uh, I guess. So it's mostly more battle stuff. Ishamael rolls up and is fucking with Egwene, and that's what draws Rand in. And he's like, "All right, let's do a fight." But it was a trap, right? Because yeah, what's her name? Surath is waiting, and they send weaves like hundreds, dozens of miles. I don't Same. think it's quite that far, is it? They're out in the harbor. It's probably, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I, well, I guess I'm thinking of the Moraine thing. Moraine sends them far. Oh, than I she think she should. Far. Yeah, probably. So they they put a shield on him and he's like oh no i'm shielded oh geez oh fuck this keeps happening every season i get shielded i get shielded, like twice this season and we basically all start to converge on the freaking rooftop here <laughs> so Nynaeve and elaine stumble their asses up there um this is something i have a problem with as well uh i feel like has it ever been stated here in the show what exactly Nynaeve's problem is um i don't think so because at this point in the books, it's very clear to everybody that her particular block is she needs to be angry. But I'll tell you what, in the book, all of these events would be enough to have set her off easily, right? Yeah, because she's she she's quite an irritable she's quite an irritable individual. <laughs> that's kind mm-hmm. of the thing. Yeah. So her friend being shot with an arrow, um, Egwene being messed with, Rand being her, all of these events would in the book be more than enough to make her be like, oh well. I'm, I can do it now. Yeah, I can I'm do it all my power. So, I, I don't know. Like she's The fact that she's still unable to do anything seems wrong to me, but I don't know. Fine. Uh, Baron and Loyal are like, Matt, you again, you gotta, again, I don't know why, but they're like, you have to get this to him, so we gotta, we'll cover your, 
your escape here. We gotta come from the uh, box with the dagger. So they do that. But yeah, he cuts open the box. That's good, I guess. Um, uh, then uh, Perrin gets caught up with fighting the White Cloaks, and Amon Valls is there, and he's like, oh, Perrin, I don't like you. I'm gonna get you. Um, and then he tries, but then Hopper saves him, but then Jeff from Borhold axes chopper, chopper in the spine. Which is rough. Uh, which is more or less... Well, I say more or less. It less how it less. happens in the book, but he does get killed by a white cloak. That's all accurate enough. Um, mm-hmm. It's not Jeff from Bornhold, and it's not with an axe, but that's beside the point, I guess. Yeah, it's a bad big of a deal. Not really. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it has some implications. We'll deal with in a second here. But we see the thing of like Hopper being like, "Look at it! I like I get to jump. I get to be free and and leap with the fireflies." Whatever the fuck. It's not, or I guess it's just ash from the fire. I don't know what's going on there, but it's unclear. It's very hard to, to fly away. And this upsets Perrin. Um, I, I feel like we haven't done a good job of showing that they're real good buddies yet, but that's fine. Yeah, this is like a dog he walks around with. <laughs> it's just a dog who follows him seemingly, but okay. Perrin's upset about Hopper. That's fine. And so he's like, Jeff from Bornhold, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then he does. He chops him real good. Actually, right in the chest in front of Dane Bornhold. And this is yet another thing, which is just like, it's so close yet so far, because this is a plot point in the books for many, many books that Baron just got resolved. Yes, it just got resolved in the second to last book that we're on here. And basically the idea is that Perrin has a particular, like, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, like rivalry with the White Cloaks here um, throughout the different events of the series, stemming from the night that Popper is killed and in sort of vengeance he kills two of the white cloaks and they're like well we gotta get you for that mm-hmm. and again because they're all zealots and fanatical they're all like well if anyone killed us for any reason at all they must be dark friends and evil and all that and it causes mm-hmm. a lot of friction but in the book it's a completely distinct event than what happens at Falmo, oh. which is again the jeff from bornhold is like well this is an unwinnable fight but i'm gonna ride in against the shan chan and die with glory i guess and he does and then in the future, the white cloaks conflate these things and are like, well, Perrin was at both of those, so it must have all been his fault. But of course, it's not. And Perrin has to be like, nah, man, like, you guys are being mean to me. Yeah, stop it. Leave me alone. You guys, you guys kind of discriminate against me because of my eye color. I don't, I don't appreciate this. I love this. And so for the show to make this decision, which is instead of being that Perrin had nothing to do with Jeffrey Bornhold's death and he's being make falsely him, accused. He just responsible. did. I mean, he just, mur- he did murder the man. Like you can't even write like, about it. <laughs> it's just like, man, you, you killed him. I mean, so it's like, why, why would we have to do that? Why would you do that? Why would you do any of this? Yeah. That one's the most baffling. I was like, okay, fuck that plot line, I guess. Parent being so this like, very on. honorable man who like <laughs> does things right is completely thrown out the window because he just murdered a man in revenge. Exactly. Because what happens later on in the books is that when is that the son Dane is like, ah, oh, Parent, I guess I was wrong about you. You aren't so bad. Except he can't be wrong because he watched him kill his dad. Yeah. That's just a true thing that happened. <laughs> So if we ever, so in this hypothetical, and everything else happens the same, when they get to that trial with Galad, which won't happen because Galad doesn't exist, uh, <laughs> they'll go, yeah, I saw him kill my dad. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, that, I killed his dad. That's true. Well, all right. All right, right cut and dry. These people. So I, absolutely baffling again. So close yet so far. <laughs> uh, then Matt is like, oh, geez, I'm surrounded. I guess I'll just blow the horn. 
Yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> which kind of happens. Yeah, kind of. Again, it's only in the show where they were like, "Well, Rand has to do it." So I don't know. He blows the horn, and the yeah, hero's the whole thing the horn. book is just like they had to think they have to wait to the last battle. And he, Matt's like, "Well, we well, it doesn't say we it only can blow it then. It just says that it has to be there, so we can blow it now, right?" And it's like, I guess you loophole the rules, the prophecy, and they do. <laughs> so he blows it, and in the book, they all show up. Mm-hmm. Now people show up in the show. But like eight people show up, and one of them is our good friend Uno. Uno from before. What? He gets to be a hero in the horn, along with this like imperial Chinese woman and Atlantean armor wearing Arthur Hawkwing. <laughs> the only ones I was able to pick up, although to be fair, even in the books, we never really get much expansion on any of these individuals, except for when he blows it. Rand rattles off about like f- ten of them that he knows. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's Otter Hawkwing and Brigitte Silverbow and who knows? Got all Kane. Steve and Macy and Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, he just names a couple more. Like an old Jackson Quicktoes and, <laughs> and Oscar Isaac. <laughs> wow, all my favorite characters. <laughs> uh, so that's fine. I mean, this kind of lived up to what I was expecting, which is just like a bunch of interesting looking characters with interesting designs and, and kind of cool, like. They're, they're heroic-looking heroes, I think. I don't know. Overall, this works for me, right? They're all smoky. And they're very, yeah, they're very. They're all kind of like very unique and interesting. And it's like, look at this guy. He looks. He's got face paint. This one's got a trident. I don't know. I thought this was cool for the most part. Uh, you are right in that there's like eight of them. <laughs> not literally, but there's like I don't know, less than thirty. And there's not a billion or anything, right? In the book, they're they're said to be about right under a hundred, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're also all mounted. Like, they're a much more intimidating force of, like, you know, we're actually going to, like, turn the tide of a whole battle kind of thing. Whereas these guys are just like, well, you're here, aren't you? <laughs> we can help you with fight these 25 <laughs> people on a part of the wall. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Uno's there. So I guess Uno was already a hero, or that's kind of seems to be the implication later. At first, I was like, oh, they, they put Uno in the horn because he died so heroically getting his head split open by sean chan <laughs> got his head pushed into a big spike but no i mean i guess what's happened here is that he was always a hero i don't know i mean forget is there. that, that matt, Hawkins, that's all you need yeah so go ahead yeah if matt is also my Hawking talks to matt he's like ah matt you you're also always in the horn you're a hero of the horn matt that's why you're special okay sure once I guess. again they take a line right from the book right where Arthur Hawkwing says, I have fought by your side times beyond number. Except in the book, he's saying it to Rand. <laughs> which makes sense, because Rand's whole thing is that he's very explicitly a the reincarnation of a specific individual, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where Matt is uh, not, not, that. <laughs> not that at all. Same with the book but, is the opposite. Again, they're doing the opposite. Yeah. And Matt's like, oh, this is this is the thing. This is who I am. I'm one of you guys. I, I don't know. I guess this is fine. Um, you know, we've yet to really see the full implications of this. I Because he says, I remember, right? He's like, I remember I'm one of you. Now, I hope this means that he is going to have some memories of, of a certain kind mm-hmm. going forward here, right? And if that's the way they do it, then I guess overall, it. Uh, I mean, it does what they needed it to do, right? Yeah, but we got there eventually. It still is is a is a weird deviation. To be completely honest, right? Mm. 
to be like, oh, I'm just a hero of the horn and I remember it all while I'm alive. I don't. I, so like, I guess the the uh, tea that he gave him last week was just completely like a lie, which makes sense coming from one of the bad guys. But that's good because I hated that scene. <laughs> it was the worst. So I guess that's the what, what we should take from that. Probably. Yes, I, right. I think. I don't know. I also got to say, though, that in if you look at the um, whatever you call it, the X-ray on Amazon TV, his name mm-hmm. isn't Arthur Hawkwing. It's his Arthur Hawkening. So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't know they call him Arthur. I was like, well, that's not... The whole point is that he's not exactly... Like, he's he's very much an analogy or whatever you'd call it for um, allegory, maybe, for, you know, King Arthur of of, of Arthurian legend. But um, he's he's not. No, so not at all. Uh, Matt does a big yell in the old tongue, which is fun. Uh, that That's actually an okay thing. He says, whatever, I'm not going to uh, even attempt it because it's a made-up language. But... <laughs> He says that thing that means it's time to toss the dice, uh, which it, which would be more interesting if he that was, was like a, <laughs> yeah, if that was a uh, <laughs> notable like character trait of his. Yeah, trait of his at this point. But eh, eh who gives a shit? But yeah, so he, he says it's time to toss the dice, which is kind of like a variation on that old Latin thing, right? Mm. Let a die be cast, or whatever the hell they say. And uh, now the die is cast. Isn't that from Julius Caesar or some shit? Sounds like it. Sounds like it would you, be. You get it. Yeah, but yeah. So him and all the heroes do a big fight, uh, and and we all we we pretty much all meet up on the rooftop again on the rooftop here. Fucking Matt is like, I'm gonna get you a shot, Michael, and he chucks a spear at him, which is pretty good, and then it just goes right through him and hits Rand. He's uh, like, oh fuck! He's like, oh my god! You just stabbed me with a knife. <laughs> oh, shit, this is god. fine. This seems kind of on brand for Matt. I I didn't hate this. actually Biff it. Just be like, ah, I got your ass. Ooh, oh, no. Oh, no, I've done something horrible. Uh, so this fulfills the vision, right? That he's going to stab stab him, which he does. Um, what's her name? Moraine from the beach c- catches wind of what's occurring. And she's like, oh, I know what I have to do. I got to f- fucking kill all those women. <laughs> so Rand can get away. Yeah. He doesn't break very, the shield. Does a nice Moraine thing when Lion's like, there's, there could be innocent people on that boat. She's like, I would kill thousands of innocents to protect the dragon. I'm like, well, you know, that's that's Moraine's whole deal. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's on brand for Moraine. Um, we have a, a a classic. You know, we this this we need to meet this season's quota apparently of scenes where an I said I does a bunch of magic while a warder fights a bunch of a uh, bunch of guys, dudes, bunch of guys. But this is uh, that is a cool scene overall. Lance fighting a bunch of Sean Shan soldiers. He catches an arrow at one point. Pretty sweet. That's pretty good. Uh, while that's all happening, and uh, Gwen's doing a bit of a fight with Shamael, Nynaeve and Elaine shows up, and Rand's like, oh my good, you're so pretty. Ooh, Who so are you? Well, I think I want to marry you. Maybe someone else that's here. Maybe someone else that should be here but isn't, and could, would never be here. Ooh, interesting. I've never met you before. <laughs> Why would I have? Anyways, anyways, I'm dying. I think. Uh, then Perrin also shows up. He's like, "I've got this shield I grabbed. This should help. This should help you with going with your magic." What? <laughs> what the fuck? It does. It does for some reason. <laughs> it must have been fucking power rend or something. I don't know. Uh, but then Matt does. Uh, or I mean, Moraine does her thing. She kills all those Chanchan, or at least distracts them. And then. Rand's like, I can get up again. I'm gonna walk over here, and then he just stands up and walks over to Ashamael and just shanks him real good. Shanks him right in the chest. And again, it's another thing where it's like, you got the spirit of it, but you just the execution's very straight. 
What an awful execution. In the book, it's true. He hits, gets him with the sword. But in the book, he's flying in the sky. Yeah, they're they're like somehow in the sky. They're project. It's a whole thing. It's like this metaphysical thing where the the outcome of their the, this duel that they're having is reflected in the the battle on the ground. And they're yeah somehow projected into the like the sky, and, and they're all big, and everyone can see them and and stuff. And so they're doing a big sword fight and a power fight, and the culmination of this fight is that Rand stabs him. And this, he he literally just stands up, walks up to Blues or uh, to Ishmael, who does nothing, doesn't even move. To, he doesn't move at all. It's it's bizarre, right? Ishmael's just like, "What are you doing?" And Rand is channeling, I guess, to channel into his sword to make it all hop. And then he stabs it all the way in, and it uh, turns him to ash or stone it, or something. Well, it does a thing where it gets all burned off, like it all disappears. So his yeah. his sword's ruined, and then yeah, Ishmael like dies. And he gets he burns on one of his hands, but not the other one, because fuck it. <laughs> Why does he need two to mark his way? <laughs> you could have just done it twice. I mean, at that point, why not, right? Yeah. I don't get it. Like, I'm trying to remember. Did, have they ever mentioned that yet in the show? The heron marks? Yeah, I don't think they have, right? No, I don't think so. And also, and so it, more on his palms. Yeah, well. Although, it's kind of on his palm. It's not like the meat of his, uh, his thumb. thumb there. What do you call that? <laughs> regardless it's like so you put it in there they kind of knew they had to do it but then again they just half-assed it because anyone watching wouldn't really know what that is or why that's important Mm -hmm. except for people who've read the books who again this is awful why would you do this way why do you only do half of it i don't know i guess it's because they forgot to put the the herons on the handle of the sword and so they're like, well, we only have this one up on the blade. So for some inexplicable reason, we have to make him reach up and grab the blade with his bare hand. And so then he'll burn himself on it and he'll get a scar. Okay. Yeah. Make it less, make it less magical. Just make it like he just was a dumb, he did a dumb thing for some reason. Okay. Shamael's dead. And he's like, I get to be dead. Woo. Finally. Or does he? Who cares? <laughs> oh, fucking cares. And the Marine's like, well, Landfear told me I had to do, uh, he had to be bannered across the sky and fire. And again, because they whiffed it and they didn't make him have a big sword fight in the sky, she's like, I guess I'll make a big dragon out of the power and make it fly around. And that'll declare him. Which is crazy to me because not an episode earlier, when Landfear's fucking shut up in Kyrian, the Armalin seat has to link with 10 sisters, nine sisters, to make it rain a little bit. But Moraine by herself is like, I'll make a dragon. A full dragon of fire fly miles away from me, up a tower. After she destroyed an entire Shanchan fleet, yeah. it seems. It, it, wild shit out of Moraine this episode, gotta say. Yeah, Moraine really scale. This guy really wanted to scale her in plus plus one or whatever the females get for rankings. <laughs> Which is like, he didn't, Rain didn't even do any of this. For all they know, Moraine should be the dragon. Like, she's the one doing the cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, Rand does nothing. He's done no channeling feats. Again, they could not have of like fucking choreograph that less interestingly that Rand just walks up and stabs him i don't know hate that personally but <laughs> I, I just wonder what like if the actors read the books and if they're like okay i'm gonna do this that's cool I'm, i'll be in the sky and they go all right for this part walk up to him and they're like it, it, like at least make him trade like a couple of blows of some kind i don't know it's just he does not try he just walks up and stabs him why does land or why does the shaman let him do that right he does what? nothing to be like huh this guy's approaching me with a blade should i hmm. Hmm. i wonder what he's gonna do oh, oh fuck oh my god 
I've been killed. <laughs> oh, well, good. You know, understandable. Have a nice day. And then disappears. You know what makes sense? You could have had him use that uh, sword from that land tells him and Kyrian. Yeah. You know, pay off some setups here. Nope. That's what a good show would do. In the book, it's also the culmination of this like thing that's been ro- jostling around in his head all book. Alan tells him about like sometimes to win a sword fight, you gotta you gotta lose the sword fight. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. But... Yeah, <laughs> you gotta lose. He says fight. sometimes with a sword fight, you gotta lose the sword fight. fight. Think, you know, Rand. Uh, come on, man. Come on, I'm just no, but he says he teaches about this like old Borderlander concept of like sheathing the blade which is like sometimes in a sword fight to win you have to you have to let him stab you too and rand does that at the end as a conscious choice to sacrifice for his friend and that's how he his friends that's how he wins right is yeah. that shamel stabs him but he stabs the shamel and he he wins um so to have matt just accidentally stab him in this one takes a bit of a like narrative all- character significance out of it everything out of it. anything that could make it good and well enjoyable all of it gone. I mean, in a very real sense, yeah. So, I mean, Masima's there. He's like, holy shit, Rand's the dragon? I'm not going to be crazy about this. Yeah, this is something I'll be totally rational about. <laughs> I'm going to be very normal with this information. I um, mean, everyone there is like, hell yeah, we love the dragon. That guy is supposed to break the world. We're all very afraid of. Ruin everything. Woo! Woo! <laughs> They're just doing a big cheer. Don't know what that's about. I, I mean, whatever. Especially because in the book, even or I'm sorry, in the show, even Moraine has said that comment already, right? About how mm-hmm. the dragon has to like break everything and destroy all the ties that bind and ruin the world so he can remake the world, basically. <laughs> so for everyone to just be like, "Hell yeah," <laughs> bit no, weird. But I mean, I, sick. we're down for it. I guess from their perspective, he just saved them from invasion. So yeah, whatever, right? Get killed or whatever. Fine. That's the great, uh, one of the great cities of the word Falmet phone <laughs> saved uh okay and then it's landfear right and landfear's like okay those seals that i that i def- bailed them on definitely took and uh dumped the in the ocean. ocean oh no they're all broken the all broke them all he let everybody out the other four forsaken or however many six <laughs> we've come up with on the show for some reason the other six forsaken are all out oh goodness um so i mean this shows kind of the drawback of the whole the seals are connected to individual forsaken because now they're all broken. And so it's like, what's keeping the dark one in? Yeah. What are they going to make? Guess... Like, here are the dark one seals that are the, here are the discs actually, or he just has to wait or there's going to be some other made up bullshit that doesn't actually exist. Who knows? I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, but one of them is waiting for Lanfear when she rolls up and she's like, yeah, he let us all out. It's me, Mogideon. Um, and so she's just like, yeah, uh, Landfear, you, you guys, you and you and Ashamel suck. You did poorly, so now you're too close to the dragon. Now it's our turn. Now we're gonna have a chance to fuck with him about. And Landfear's like, oh no, Mogadian's got me trapped in this web. It's like Landfear, you're like infinitely stronger than she is. Mogadian, she's like, yeah, you always called me the spider. I was too cautious, but I'm actually not that cautious. Like what? That's your whole thing. You're like kind of a bitch. <laughs> then what are you? <laughs> yeah, what's your what differentiates you from any other? evil forsaken character if you're not like cautious and very calculating and uh less willing to like commit yourself fully to different things then yeah what distinguishes you from the other forsaken who also do all those things but again who cares who cares who's read the books not me i guess not this guy with his mom once a year 
So there it is. Here's Mo Gideon. She'll be around. I guess we're doing something. Now, will we get to tier next season? I was thinking, no. I feel like this... <laughs> I feel like they've really emphasized the whole he's a dragon now thing to where they don't need to do that. Like, this is a stand-in for that. Mm-hmm. Which, if we're being completely honest, there's some merit to. Like, if you really think about the second book and the third book, they do kind of end... They climax with similar events, right? Mm. Which is Rand does something impressive which declares himself as the dragon reborn to people who are there and beats up a Shamael in the process, right? Yeah. Um, but in this one, he's killed a Shamael seemingly in this book. Now, he does that the first three books anyways. Yeah. One of the first three books are that is then Rand goes to a place, finds a Shamael, kills him, does that thing. It's like, I think you're the dragon and then does it for more and more people every single time. So I think uh, now I've been wrong before. Jack, because I thought they were going to skip more stuff in this season. We thought it was going to be the ideal stuff. And instead, they've they've stuck pretty damn close to the normal, to the, to the actual book events of The Great Hunt. So, do I have any real reason to assume they're going to skip the next book in the, in the next season of the show? I guess not. Uh, but they've already kind of done some of it anyway. It's I don't know. It's weird. So, I'm going to say yes, but who knows? I don't know. There is some weird stuff of like, Apparently, Tuan's supposed to be in the next season. That would be several books early for her, right? Yeah. Um, if, if again, if we're doing a normal a one book a season, um, I don't remember anyone else who's been cast specifically. I've, I've forgotten if I know. But I th- again, I said it last season, but it's the fact that they've really drug drug their feet on this season too, just makes it all the more true. Is that they need to pick up the pace here mm. if they have any hope of finishing these. Fidging the story they're actually trying to tell. Whatever story that is, who knows? We do know that three is is at the very least happening. Okay. That's what they've been renewed through thus far. So So I have to see. Maybe they'll do the Robert Jordan thing and they'll do it in three. (laughs) Yeah, they'll just end with a third season like he was originally going to do. That'd be very funny. (laughs) I would love that, actually. (laughs) Uh, Also, they started filming in April this year and then. I just stopped. That obviously ground to a halt um oh no wait maybe they didn't stop because england oh england it's yeah it's hard to say maybe not i don't know well we'll find out soon enough if they actually continued at the pace they were meant to be then we might have actually got it by next year but now probably not (laughs) yeah well we can wait on this one i mean yeah i don't give a shit apparently this says the star- Roseman Pike and Daniel Henney, who are, of course, Warren and Lance, says season three is going to be massive. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, I can't wait. More Moraine and Land being like, oh, no. Maybe more for family. Says, we'll meet more of Moraine's relatives. Oh, God. <laughs> she says, we feel like we've established the rules of our world. We can explore them and push the boundaries. We can do more experimental camera work, and we can try and get a visual language for these incredible concepts that Robert Jordan came up with. Um, sounds like viewers can expect many new faces. I thought, like I said, I definitely saw that. Um, or actually, I don't think it was properly confirmed, but it, the actress who is rumored to be playing Tuan was cast. So, which again would 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 suggest that we are moving forward a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. This show kills me. Yeah, kids, when you're reading the books, you're like, man, these books are so good, and this show sucks. They're ruining everything. See, but one of these actors was like. It was like, oh, look it. It's going to be uh, Varen. But Varen's in the 
already in this season. So I don't know. I don't know, Jack. Uh, what to do? Well, we'll wait till next year, and we won't talk about the trailer, and it'll just sneak up on us. This freaking show, man. It's funny seeing so many people be like, "Man, this season's actually like good. it's even better." And I, I actually like season one. Man, what a fun time! And and again, we just have to be like bitter book readers about it. Like, you don't know what you're missing. Actually, he shouldn't be doing this. He's not strong enough. Landfear is plus plus one. <laughs> He's the strongest. So I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Anything else to say? Or we should move on. No, we should move on. Perfect. Let's take take out of that into. We'll do Ahsoka, one with the Continental. Uh, bold choice. Bold. Well, I'm gonna. I'm. We're gonna. I'm gonna keep a tight rein on you on this one. Incredible. I'll, or I'll try to. So the Ahsoka finale happened. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it was. I, th- I thought it was. I didn't mind. I my one friend said he found it a little underwhelming. Uh, I didn't find it too. I didn't think it was too bad. I had the good parts, and it definitely keeps it open for another season. Clearly, based on the ending. But uh, absolutely. So, what did you think? Definitely agree with that assessment. I agree with most of what you said. Um, I wouldn't agree to. I wouldn't argue too strongly that it wasn't a slightly underwhelming. I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you, like you just got at there. Like, there's going to be more of this, right? It's hard to really say. I mean, it's falling into the same traps, I guess, that a lot of these Disney Plus shows for both Marvel and Star Wars seem to, which is a lot of them don't really nail the finale in a super satisfying way yeah um and yeah i mean you're, you're always gonna have that when when you're setting up s- stuff to be um expanded upon in the future there's always gonna be people who are like oh well this didn't really end and it's like yeah it wasn't really supposed to i guess i think we get a lot of the conclusions we need right in terms of characters and, and specific plot lines to this show while also setting up the stuff that we knew this show was gonna set up right mm-hmm. um just to get ahead of ourselves here like if anyone thought that thrawn was going to be resolved in within this season that to me is like of course he wasn't right yeah absolutely he would he was gonna come it was, yeah he's a bigger threat they talk about him in mandalorian so he's gonna have to be a part somewhere and again if you're one of those people who is like just kind of opposed to that on like a you know general sort of level you you wish we didn't do this with everything nowadays like oh why does everything have to connect to each other and and do all this i i I understand that to a an extent but it is what it is right yeah we're past that point yeah exactly so i'll say i'll let you know in terms of online discourse here jack it's it's been i mean there's been some it's been a bit i can imagine Uh, i would say this is because it's a fan i guess now that it's all done right like everything's out people are you know have have the complete picture to kind of talk about here and stuff. But I would say that this episode in particular as the finale has stirred up a bit more uh, than the other ones. I mean, in general, I would say that the reaction to Ahsoka has been largely positive. Mm. Um, And then there's been a little bit more of a, what would you you call it? Uh, Just conflicting, conflicting points for this one, I guess. Yeah. People have weird takes. So some, We'll get to the scene, but some some clip from a Star Wars from Star Wars Theory live reaction. <laughs> seen this yeah, this is a good. Yeah, it's a good clip. Yeah, it's very funny. Absolute asinine. <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> if I ever saw that man, it'd be on sight. I'd, be, I'd throw such him and him and Zack Snyder. If I ever catch these two, when I catch them, they're gonna wish I hadn't. Uh, so okay, we start with we've got Thrawn, we've got Elspeth, we've got all the 
the great mothers. And Thrawn's like, you did a good job, Elspeth. And, and the night mothers are like, yeah, you did such a good job. Here you go. Here's a sword. Here's, here's like your markings or whatever. You get your markings and you get a sword. I guess you've got some magic in you now. Uh, which is fine. I didn't have a problem with this. I saw some people said they didn't like sword. They're like, why is there a sword in Star Wars? Didn't bother me personally, but whatever. Yeah. So their lightsabers are essentially the swords. Uh, then we cut to back to our ship, our heroes. Ezra is constructing a, a lightsaber, which is fun. Uh, makes a lot of sense because, again, this is what Hu Yang has done forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually kind of allude to his age. They're like, how old are you? Kind of thing. And he doesn't really give a straight up answer, but he is supposed to be like 20,000 years old or something. So Jesus. Yeah, he's been around forever, ever. Yeah, I did. I did like uh, that scene with them when he's like, no, I, he's like, who taught you about lightsaber? He goes, oh no, my master. He's like, oh, I remember him. He, he was shy and he did all this stuff. And I have, I have an extra because I just saved it because I knew he would, might need it again. Mm-hmm. Then Ezra went back to blue. What the fuck? Didn't like that part. <laughs> Not a fan. Green is, well, this lightsaber is very much a homage to Kanan's, right? Yeah. It's almost a replica of Kanan's lightsaber. So it's fine. This, and this is funny to me just because there's so many people who feel so strongly about like, why don't they men- why weren't they mentioning Kanan very much? What the heck? What did Dave Filoni forget? And it's like, again, he is dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, if you just let the season unravel, I feel like we've gotten enough at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like between... His literal son. I mean, his, his his little son's there, and that's been mentioned a few times. And it's like now here, right? They're talking about him quite a bit directly. I think it all works out. Like, yeah, I, I feel like they talk about him as much as you would expect in, in like a reasonable kind of way. Mm-hmm. If you just let them get to it, kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he's like they're reminiscing about Kanan and how obviously he had a, like a unconventional kind of upbringing, as a lot of the Jedi of his era have it's weird to me that Ezra is like incredulous that Hu Yang taught Kanan though because it's like that doesn't even he doesn't even have to be that old yeah Kanan's not that he wasn't that old he's like 30 maybe right like Ahsoka was older than is older than Kanan like <laughs> yeah and Ahsoka trained at the temple and made her lightsaber there so if he's like yeah I would I would even if they built Hu Yang right before Ahsoka joined still be fine still would work he'd be an old droid right yeah, again, much less that he's literally like thousands of years old. Tens but... of that, like older than anyone else ever in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's beside the point. It's fun. Very, uh, very fun little reminiscing. Um, so he's got it again. It's it's basically just a replica of Kanan's, more or less. Right? Yeah. And then, uh, oh, he also gives throws in a little tidbit here, which is kind of the thesis of this whole show, which is when he does ask him about how old he is, he dodges the question by saying it. He's old enough to know that the relationship between a master and apprentice is as challenging as it is meaningful, which is kind of the thesis yeah, the whole of this point. show. Um, so then we're off. I guess it seems like maybe the reason they were going so slow, because this is something I saw people complain about. Like, why are they going all slow with the turtle people? And it's maybe because he was, so they could let him finish his lightsaber. I, I would, guess. I would assume. So then everyone can have a lightsaber. That's what I would make sense to me, because yeah, they are on kind of a of a you know timer time time crunch here. The time is a, time is a factor for them. So uh, a bunch of tie, a couple of tie fighters show up. We do it. We do a tie fighter fight, right? Mm. Uh, the ship crashes and seemingly gets whiffed, but I mean, it turns out to be not that bad, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fine. They fix it up. Uh, but we're we're jumping the gun a little bit there. So they they roll up. Get the they trimmers. get on their the wolf 
horse things. They ride those up. Thrawn's like, oh, good job. I guess those guys died uh, <laughs> killing the ship, so good enough. Their sacrifice is, uh, is duly cool. noted. Give them a uh, medal, I guess. Posthumously give them a little square on their little grave or something. <laughs> Sick. Um, and the, But then they roll up, and, and Thrawn's got some more, more tricks in store, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, so it's called classic Nuka Planet from the Star Destroyer. <laughs> well, that is a classic move of his, but uh, we have all our, um, you know, he's got contingency plans and contingency plans here, right? Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's all part of the thing. So even though they do make it, turns out that he's got a, uh, a, a there's a bunch of stormtroopers in there. Yeah. And for a purpose they all volunteered for, it seems. That's what's, that's what's told to us. Um, and so this kind of is the culmination of the, what are the night troopers exactly? Mm. Um, and it's not completely definitive, but we do see that basically, I mean, they do a big fight, right? They kill a bunch of these stormtroopers, but then they all get up again. Um, so then the question people have is like, is this the first time or not? Right. Yeah. Um, like where, cause it was like, that's been the discussion the whole time is, are they undead? Have they been undead this whole time? Or maybe, you know, this is the first time they've died and now they're undead. Uh, I could see it going either way. It's not really, I would, I was thinking more the first, it's that's the first essential. time they're dead because they like they're very they very specifically say like oh these guys volunteered right so it feels right. like this has never been done to them before I would agree and also they they definitely are shown to act and move differently yeah when they get revived before and after so what did you think of this though I saw this drew some uh, criticism as um, being a bad action scene I guess I don't know I thought it was fine I thought it was fine too there is it is a little flat at some points when it just three of them standing in a line like blocking and then then they get into the into the fray of it and start cutting them up so like at the beginning it's a little eh, but it gets better then them like running around and stopping the zombies i thought that was fine yeah right i don't know yeah but you know star wars theory was very upset it wasn't darth maul do you want to get into that yeah sure there's like a a clip of of our best friend our favorite guy star wars theory star wars theories doesn't matter star wars Wars theory uh just the one just the one theory uh live reacting to this and he's like i bet it's maul that they're gonna do maul and then it isn't he's like what it's not it's not maul and then the clip i watched ends there with his like flabbergasted face that it that dead darth maul wasn't revived in a different galaxy by a bunch of night sisters he's never met <laughs> uh unfathomable right uh, like I, mean, it's, what? I hate star wars fans i'll say that once <laughs> and for all like if you go, Jack, why do you... But you like Star Wars. And I go, I do like Star Wars. But sometimes these people make me want to never touch any of it again. Because they say stupid shit like this. And it's like, why? I mean, he really is like the peak. He really is peak Star Wars fan for yeah. stuff like that. Like that's this a fucking I love the like, prequels hat. What an absurd, goofy-ass thing to say. I think it's going to have... Well, yeah, like, what it, why on earth would it ever have been Darth Maul? Like, what is that even... What are you basing this on? Yeah, right? he's already... He died in the, in the, in the prequel to this show. This guy, who supposedly, you know, what makes his uh makes his money crafting theories, just says, "What if it was just a different character who's already dead?" Like that's nothing. There's nothing to that. Come on, listen. We're all Star Wars fans, okay? I get it, right? Glupshitos and all, right? Yeah. There's plenty of that going around. And okay. Skywalker appearing as a ghost, Glupshitto. Right. <laughs> Whatever. I get it. There is lots of look at this guy again, right? Mm. But come on. I mean, that's that would be insane. <laughs> so it's like he just thought like, oh, Night Sisters, they're gonna 
the the magic is again a guy that Thrawn doesn't know. Like, there's it's He's so just going to materialize, baffling, like, and that more so than that, more more so than it being a stupid theory, which is in and of itself not an issue necessarily. Whatever, it's a dumb theory. Who cares, right? What's more than that is that he reacts pretty strongly to it not being true and i think that's the real dumb part right it's not that he made a bad guess right it's that he actually did the thing that you really should never do right that star wars fans also find themselves in this trap of which is in you know putting so much into their theories and and investment into the ideas of like what they want to happen that when they don't happen it actually affects their opinion of the thing yeah and that's just not fair to anyone. No. <laughs> that's just, you're going to have a bad time if you keep doing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I can understand if uh, your theory not coming true, you feel effects like the themes of the, sh- the series or what it's trying to say. I can always be like, okay, I guess if your theory, you felt that it hinged, it worked with whatever you thought they were trying to say, and then that didn't happen, and you feel that everything else was lesser because of it. Okay. Yeah, like a actual, like a genuine sort of missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Again, like you said, especially in like a real, an actual meaningful storytelling kind of way. Like, like why we like don't don't like Wheel of Time. They all the things they don't do. Hinderly like changes the characters and lessons impactful moments that could be easily done. But if you're just like, well, why didn't this one guy appear who's already dead and died on screen and died in like a roundabout way? Like, what? They're not doing Star Killer, man. Let it go. Wouldn't it have been cooler <laughs> if Darth Maul was here? <laughs> like yeah i guess would it even have been he would have got killed by ahsoka like and again just the fact that you can see he's actively like upset by it really dumb but anyways and that guy gets to make money off of this and we don't what the fuck oh big, biggest star wars channel on youtube can't uh can't understate that enough overstate enough not state it i don't want it to, needs to be let's stated. not talk about it it makes me you gotta state it you gotta state it, gotta state it. <laughs> um so Everyone's getting on the ship, and Thrawn's like, Elsbeth, how about you just stay here and fucking die? How about? <laughs> She's like, Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Do I have to? He's like, It'd be really cool if you did. Really appreciate that one. She's like, Sure, man. Okay. okay. Which is, she's. I feel like she's been done dirty here, right? Oh, absolutely. He did a Thrawn to her. He thrown the shit out of her. She came. She's the one who came all the way here. The whole thing hinged on her, right? Probably more, seemingly more integral than anyone else in rescuing him and he's like so how about i just kind of discard you yeah you you served your use now get the hell out of here i know you just get how, like a, how would you feel about that and she's like i guess you, you just a cool sword and you've raised a rank in your your society but what if that didn't so, matter do you think you're ready to die now or what for the glory of our cause okay good see ya and so she goes down there to die basically uh she fights ahsoka and they do the classic thing of like all right you go on i'll deal with this so Ezra and Sabine run up another they get to the top and they're about to get on the ship, but oh my god, there's two dead death troopers. They're like death death troopers. What's they're that about? Death. Oh my goodness. They're like a this is kind of fun. They're like a mix between the Legends Death Troopers and Canon Death Troopers. Because in Legends there was a novel called Death Troopers, which is about Star Wars zombies, basically. What if what if zombies got on a Star Wars ship and made stormtroopers into zombies? Wouldn't that be cool? Was it cool? It's fine. It's not a. It's not a, uh, a great book, but it happened. Han Solo's in it inexplicably because, of course, because he <laughs> he's got to be. It's legends. <laughs> it's legends. Uh, he's just like shows up at, towards the end. He's like, "Here, I'm here. It's me, Han Solo." Anyways, that's kind of fun. So they're they're 
they're both kinds of death troopers. Um, this fight scene is notable because it has Sabine uh, finally fully tap into the force for the first time, right? Yeah. It's Chekhov's uh, force. Chekhov's force. <laughs> Classic. And she does the Ray kind of, or Kylo Ren kind of move. We've done it a couple times now, but the turn a lightsaber on into somebody's head. <laughs> never, hey, always works. Never, never spell once. Very cool. And then uh, she's like, all right, Ezra, I now have such command over my powers, I can shove you right up there. And then she does. Yeah. She's good. And then Ezra's like, all right, you come after me, I'll I'll pull you up. And she's like, nah, I gotta go help my master. And then she does. Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka loses one of her lightsabers. She does. In the, in the fight, Elspeth cuts it up. So that's, I don't know. I'm not sure how to feel. I was like, it happened and I was like, man, should I feel more about this? Do I feel nothing? Let's see matter. Is this symbolic? Of, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> We're doing the, is our lightsaber's important thing again? Part of me was like, well, I guess this is like a loss. Like we needed to show her lose something as a result of this fight, right? A little bit of consequence, a little bit of stakes, but also I was just like, whatever. Yeah. She'll probably just get another one, right? Losing a lightsaber when you have a lightsaber droid as your companion doesn't really mean that much to me, I'd say. Right, especially when it's not like a symbolic lightsaber that is like when she stole from an inquisitor, <laughs> or like one that uh no, she just the one she stole from an inquisitor. But I just meant it's not the one that like it's not like Excalibur that your whole people rally behind as a symbol of your rule. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the fucking dark saber, <laughs> like that your enemy smashes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Anyways. Uh, and well, of course they beat her and all the stormtroopers, and then they're like, "Well, we're still here, I guess." Well, Hu Yang shows up, but it's not. Ultimately, it's not quick enough, is it? Yeah, they get left behind, and uh, the ship escapes. Oops, sorry, I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. No, the moment has passed. Nope, didn't get it. Nuts. Damn it! Don't you hate when that happens? It's the worst. All right. Anyways, <laughs> uh, they have a little chat though. Thrawn does a little bit of taunting. He does a little. He does a little trolling before they head out. As as Thrawn is sometimes want to do. He's like, "What if I did a little trolling?" Uh, and he's like, "Hey, I know your master. He turned evil. Maybe you'll turn evil, dickhead. <laughs> Fuck you. Ah. Right here forever." Um, and he's like, "Hey, I know we never met. Probably never will know, dumbass." <laughs> well, he does. He does a bit of a Fortnite dance on her. Frankly, <laughs> he's a little orange justice. <laughs> and he's like, "All right, see ya." <laughs> And they get uh, they get all messed up by the the after wash of the the big hyperspace jump. Mm. He says, "Long live the Empire." This has caused a lot of discourse, a bunch of discourse. Uh, but he's part of the Empire. No. Well, <laughs> now we're at the end here. Actually, we're towards the end here. I'm gonna read some discourse. You ready? Okay, I got some discourse to read. Um, okay, I got Sabine Wren has now been officially designated as a Jedi on the Star Wars website. Okay, fun. That's cool. Right. Seems. Seems fair. Um, and this person says, "Self-taught, like all Disney Star Wars Mary Sues are." Huh? That's not what. Wait, wait. <laughs> incomprehensible, right? That is incomprehensible, <laughs> isn't it? Don't you think? What person with literal uh, Jedi apprentice with literal master? How do uh, right? Crazy, right? The whole point of this show is that she gets her. Ma- <laughs> they're back. They do the thing again. Gotta be bait. I feel, but fine. It's gotta be bait, but. <laughs> It's so crazy. It can't be. Um, this guy says, this is, the guy, this is the guy who pretends to be HK47 on Twitter. No, he okay. says, statement. Uh, from the beginning of the show, I wondered how this crowd would react watching someone who struggled more, trained longer, and otherwise combated more of the more common complaints about Ray finally breaking through. And yep, 
they fall back on Old Faithful. <laughs> which I totally agree with, because they're That's just like, so uh, uh, Mary Sue. Uh, she, she's self-taught, even though she was taught by two Jedi. Two Jedi! Two different Jedi. Taught her. Yeah, exactly. Both Whatever. Jedi from the Clone Wars. Two different Jedi who taught her, and even then it took her a decade to like be able to pick up a lightsaber. Bit of a Mary Sue, though, don't we think? Yeah, bit of a don't we think? too much. Insane. Um. Okay, so after this episode, there's been like a real smattering of either Dave Filoni's is real good at Star Wars or Dave Filoni's the worst of Star Wars, of depending course. on where you fall down, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. Which camp you're in? Nuance, nuances for cowards in the Star Wars. We hate it right? classically, famously in the show, Can- canonically. So, right, right, right. We can't. Con- I can't condone any nuance. So you either love or hate Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Um. And so some people are like, look at Dave Filoni's doing it right, down with Kathleen Kennedy or whatever, right? Oh, Jesus. Or again, it's Dave Filoni's like the worst kind of Star Wars creator. Again, depending on wherever you fall, but it's just worth noting that like, and I've said this many times when people are like, ooh, fuck the sequels and Kathleen Kennedy, but yeah, John Favreau. And it's like, there's no real distinction between these things. Right? Yeah, she gives the green light for everything. She's just as involved with either of those projects as the other. There's no like, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are like rebelling against Disney and Kathleen Kennedy by doing this. They're not making these shows in secret and leaking them right? out. Exactly. Despite everyone's convoluted fan fictions about how Dave Filoni is, is leading a, a revolution from within Lucasfilm or whatever the hell. <laughs> really so this guy just says Dave Filoni is just Disney in a cowboy hat. <laughs> Which is fun. Um, this is Kyle Katarn on Twitter. He's fun too. He says, seeing some impressive mental gymnastics trying to distance Filoni's work from the rest of Disney or Lucasfilm, and it's just not accurate. No amount of cherry picking will change that your new favorite show is part of Disney Star Wars. Because it is. Yeah. This is Disney Star Wars just like the other shit is. So, yeah. God, it's it's bizarre how people. I, I, um, what did he say? Oh, uh, Pedro, uh, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter also. Wait, I don't remember exactly what he's replying to, but he weighed in on some this week too, which was just, it's a thing I always say where almost anytime anyone has ever been like, oh yeah, Disney did this or said this or that. It's like, I just can, I almost, I feel like it's almost never true, right? Mm-hmm. That like anyone who works specifically for Disney in any capacity comes into Lucasfilm and says, you need to do this or that. It has to happen no, next to never. Right yeah. again, this idea that like there's some Disney exec who's who's maniacally making storytelling decisions for Star Wars to me just seems so disillusioned. You know, yeah, so completely far off from actual reality to not even be worth like acknowledging most of the time. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, this person also is replying to the self-taught Mary Sue thing. Um, she said, "He says, ah, oh, yeah, self-taught Sabine, the Sabine run who was self-taught." <laughs> Didn't spend literally most of her life with Jedi. Definitely didn't receive training from Kanan Jarrus, Ezra Bridger, and Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> totally self-taught Sabine Wren. Yeah. God. How good she was at teaching herself that. Um, Star Wars Explain asked people who hadn't read any of the books or seen Rebels if Ahsoka did a good job of establishing Thrawn as a threat. Um, and this person said something that I overall definitely agree with. She says, I've read the OG Thrawn trilogy and seen Rebels, but I don't think that invalidates my ability to say that Ahsoka did a great job of telling us Thrawn is a galactic threat and very little to show us. And I have to agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the same like with Ezra, right? Where people were like, why is Ezra important? And it's like, the show does a good job of telling you that he is important and why you should think he is. But yeah, it doesn't show you why. And it's the same kind of with Thrawn, I guess. I can't really disagree with that right yeah i was really the kind of thought that we all had a lot of fans was is that 
you know, in this episode, once he made the jump back, right, he would immediately do something spectacular, right? Yeah. You know, destroy a rebel fleet, shoot a bunch of guys. I don't know, do something worth, you know. Judo flip somebody because uh, he fights the yeah. droids. <laughs> exactly. Do something notable to to just drive that home. And he really doesn't, which I would say is something of a disappointment to me. But I don't think it, you know, completely ruins the whole season or anything. But it is probably worth pointing out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. He, the most he does is just like, he just kind of bombs like a desolate wasteland from space with this big sp- ship, which is fine. But I mean, it's not too impressive to hit a bunch of people in a ship, send a bunch of stormtroopers out like anybody can do that. He's a little bit smarter than them because he doesn't underestimate the Jedi, but that doesn't that just shows that he's mildly competent. Um, I did I did like his line this episode when Morgan's like, they're not going to beat us. That's impossible. And he's like, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Imperial officers had that before the Jedi fucking kill him. So why don't we just slow yeah, roll here? Was, he's like, I very specifically was defeated by one Jedi before. Yeah, me, the smart <laughs> guy, guy around. Here. This guy right here, this fucking kid, <laughs> this child defeated me. So let's not... <laughs> Let's not get too big for our britches here. Too big in our britches about what Jedi can and can't do, all right? Let's yeah. just, you know. They have this nasty the ability to tap into like a mystical force. And they're the good guys, so. He might just sum- summon a bunch of space whales. So how about we not? Yeah. And, like, I, and I'm going to bomb them if they show up. I swear to God. <laughs> Elspeth, you're going to jinx us, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. You're, you're, you're in very real danger of jinxing us right if now. You, you, you know not? what? Because you jinxed me, you're going to stay here and die. Stay here and die, why don't you, huh? Huh? You're just doing that, dickhead? Um, okay, here's another thing I have real quick. So, I, like I mentioned, Thrawn says, er, uh, long live the Empire, right? Yeah. And this has revitalized some of the... I, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times when we're talking about this season, but there's a there's a very vocal sect of uh, Thrawn fans on Twitter. They call themselves Chiss Twit. <laughs> Chiss Twit? Yeah, Chiss is Thrawn's species. He's a oh. Chiss. He comes okay. from the Chiss Ascendancy. And Twit is like like T W T like Twitter. You get it. Yeah, I get you. And uh, well, they're bothered by this. So basically, I don't think I've mentioned it fully, but just in fast forward in Legends and also to a degree in Canon, uh, Timothy Zahn has done this thing over time where the more and more time that Thrawn has been around, the more he's seemingly tried to like rehabilitate his image and make him into some version of like anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And like actually, he's only serving the empire as a means to his own ends he and wants to stop that know, threat from legends or whatever exactly exactly he's he is doing it to prevent to defend against an even greater existential threat which works for him as a motivation and is interesting right whenever you add a little bit more depth and nuance to a character that's usually a good thing mm-hmm. but it just shouldn't be forgotten that like he's still a villain Oh yeah, he's always been the villain. Like it feels like even Timothy Zahn, who created him at some points, has forgotten that he only really works as a villain. You can't just make him like a, ah, maybe he's a good guy though. No, he's not though. Yeah. Like he's only interesting because he, you know, is fighting our heroes. Yeah, he's right? A, he's the he's the smartest imperial, so he's actually like a real threat. Uh, but ultimately, he's a bad guy, and he loses. And he's it's like um, it's like the fucking Brooklyn Nine Nine meme, right? Yeah, Komodo still murder, right? It's like Thrawn's over here like, oh, I, I'm i only supporting the most horrible despotic regime to ever grace the galaxy that, you know, kills and enslaves by the billions, you know, to prevent an, ev- an even worse threat that yeah. only I know about. Sure. And it's like, oh. Yeah, oh, okay, cool. But you cool still motive. kill those people, though. <laughs> cool motive, still fascism. Yeah, you like, can't just 
do a fascism. You can't be the like the top guy of fascism and be like, no, but I'm. This is fine because I'm at the top. I mean, he's literally just a fascist, right? He's like, I need to be in charge of this massive tyrannical militaristic government because i can use all of that consolidated central power to a mean that i to to an ends that i think is just yeah dude you and every dictator who's ever lived right thinks that like oh i'm doing it for the good i promise so listen is thrawn interesting yeah and does that add more nuance and complexity to his character for sure but people who are bothered that like why is he an imperial he shouldn't really be an imperial I think I've said this before, but I it bears repeating. Like, if you're a diehard book fan, you you just have to know on some level that it's not going to be the ideas presented in those books are not going to be a center point of this show. Yeah, not at all. Because the audiences are just different, and they just can't. Okay. And so that being said, like, I just who are these people who are so surprised that like again you can only do so much. I don't know. He he can't sh- pack it full of like references and concepts from the books. Because no one's going to understand them. Mm. Uh, so, in reference to that, a couple, someone, uh, people have been posting this uh, panel that that uh, Timothy's on dead did at a celebration or some kind of con a few years back, and he was like, "Oh, I basically I think that if we do a follow up to that, um, Ezra and Thrawn are going to team up, and Thrawn's going to convince him, like, oh, actually, man, there's this other threat that you should work with me to defend, don't you think? Um, which, listen." Could that have been interesting? Sure. Right? And I know it's been the center point of a lot of people's, like, theories and fan... I've seen lots of fan art of, like, look at it's bearded old Ezra and Thrawn hanging out together in the wilderness. Ooh, what would they do to survive? Fine. I also can't really fault them for not going in that direction, though, right? Yeah. Um, As this person says, I would pay serious money to see Thrawn try to convince there are worse threats than the Empire that enslaved and killed his parents while Ezra blows spitballs at his face. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Which is kind of a fun imagery, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Ezra is among the very last Jedi who would ever follow Thrawn, I think, right? Absolutely. And yeah. someone pointed it out, and I think it, there's interest, it, it was an interesting point, which is like, are there Jedi characters who would potentially see the logic of, of Thrawn's points and potentially follow him to an extent and work with him, right? Yeah, I think there are. And it, this person said like, now... Th- in such a storyline, right, that cooperation would either end, like, violently, like, it would fall apart eventually with them being on opposing sides, or the Jedi would, at some point, cease to be a Jedi any longer, right? Yeah, they'd be, they'd be evil. They'd feed to the dark side in some ways. Like, Balin. He's a bad guy, right? Yeah. Um, but yes, could they work, could there be a story where Thrawn works with the Jedi to a certain end? Yeah. There's literally a book about that, right, where Anakin... Works with him in the during the Clone Wars. And what happens and to Anakin? Anakin? Hmm. What happens to Anakin? The best character in Star Wars. Ooh. What happens? What happens? Oh, right. He becomes the biggest fascist wizard Hitler ever. Oh, right. Well, that's just it. Isn't I it? hate these people, Zach. <laughs> so again, could that be a thing? Yes. But again, to me, Ezra is the very, very last on that list. Basically, right? Ezra's not going to work with Thrawn again. It's no, the Empire. Again, to be to be like, oh, well, Thrawn's just using the Empire as a means to an end. That's that's really not much better, right? Like, I just I don't know how to. You're still to using it. it. Yeah, using the Empire at all reflects a characterization that is not very good. The Empire's horrible. The fact that anyone would be like, oh, just a little though. <laughs> there it was. Oh, there's your sneeze. Finally. <laughs> so yeah, I 
Um, this person says, Thrawn is fascinating. He's a great villain, and the stories from his perspective give great insight to the character. But even the author seems to forget that he shouldn't be considered the good guy, no matter how reasonable they try to make him. And that's completely where I line up. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, if you go too far at all, you're basically endorsing fascism. You're like, sometimes fascism is justified. And that's not a position that story that any Star Wars storytelling should ever be taking. I think. Maybe I'm crazy. But yeah. I, Maybe fascism? Hot take from us in the Ag Attack. Not cool. We don't like it. <laughs> so to be like, oh, sometimes you need to, though, because of the Yuzang Vong. Fuck off. Shut up. Who cares? They're like, Zach, don't you remember? Haven't you read the books? Aren't you afraid of the Grisk? <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Okay, I'm not afraid of the Grisk. To where <laughs> do we not fear what lurks beneath, all right? <laughs> to where we need to do the Empire. Listen, I'm well aware of the Grisk, all right? You don't need to tell me. <laughs> But I'm not going to say Thrawn's a good guy because of the Chris. <laughs> All right. Both things can be bad. Good. Uh, one last one. Uh, where'd it go? Oh, um, so Timothy's on. Uh, very excited about Thrawn, especially when he's under Dave Filoni's tutelage. He showed back in Rebels he understands Thrawn. <laughs> and then Thrawn fans. I can't believe Thrawn would say long live the Empire after serving it for 40 fucking years. I'm going to kill myself. Because <laughs> that's how some of these these just twit folks be acting. Yeah, having- Again. I just don't know what anyone expected out of this storyline other than Thrawn to get back. And my thing is, like, if you if you accept that Thrawn was using the Empire as a means to an end, then I don't know what they're so confused that he's still an Imperial for. Because it's still the same ends and the same means, right? Yeah, he doesn't change that much. His whole thing was, I want to get back. If you accept that Thrawn was willing to use the Empire to stop the Grisk, then Thrawn is still willing to use the Empire to stop the Grisk. It's not like there's no there's no leap there at all, right? He would still believe that the New Republic is too weak to stand up to it, and that the only way forward is for him to reform the Empire, get all big and, you know, make a strong... Se- he's he's literally a strong man, right? He's a fascist, like, strongman-style dictator who's like, we need military strength to rule. That hasn't changed about him. Nothing about the circumstances has changed. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I think maybe, uh, like, that one person intimated, maybe Timothy Zahn himself has forgotten that just a little. Just, just a tiny little bit. In the Thrawn, if you actually read the Thrawn show to you, which is of course the first introduction to him, he's not like a all oh, means to an end kind of guy. He's like a he's quite the Imperial diehard back then, right? Mm-hmm. Like to the level he refuses to to acknowledge the New Republic. He just calls them rebels the whole time, even though they're like a legitimate government. Like he's way into it. So I I just don't get what these people are so worked up about. If you thought Thrawn wasn't going to be the bad guy, I, don't want to tell you. I just don't. I just don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah you're, I, you're watching the different. You're watching a different show. You might be interested in a different series. <laughs> yeah, just go watch Sherlock. Okay, go watch some kind of Sherlock Holmes thing if you want to. If you want to like a narcissistic asshole who's really good at solving things. Okay, yeah, yeah, just do that. Yeah. The John C. <laughs> Riley, uh, Will Will Ferrell Holmes movie. <laughs> yeah, go watch that. That should be right up your alley. Yeah, you fucking child. God, I hate you. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's let's wrap this up here because I've gone on for a minute now. Um, so we're left behind, aren't we? Right? Yeah. So they're all so Ahsoka, Sabine. They're on the planet, and they're like, "Well, we're together, right? We can be master and apprentice, and we can. This isn't so bad, maybe, right? We can figure it out." She sees the owl. That's the uh, symbol of the the daughter, ancient the, the ancient force deities that resides within her soul. <laughs> So that's cool. that Every time you bring it up, it's like parents' wife. I'm like, fuck yeah, that's a thing that uh, gets, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's a big thing. Um, then Shin, which I kind of was like, yeah, where'd Shin go? 
Um, I guess because of her failure last week, she's like, well, I guess I can't go back to Thrawn. So she's just like, I'm going to go find these bandits. I guess I'll hang out with them. What's up, bandits? And they're like, hey, what's up? Oh, you're pretty good. Let's see. Okay, that's sick. Hang out with us. Uh, now, Balin on a big mountain carving thing, statue of the father of, of the uh, previously mentioned force deities. Yeah. Um, and he sees something off in the distance. That's that's the thing that's calling to him, I guess, right? Yeah, the son next to the father, but the daughter's there, but her head's gone. because She's all smashed. What could that mean? The could symbolism. Be her soul is Ahsoka or something? Sure. Right. Something like that. The daughter's are. You know what, man? The daughter's already here, so you don't need the statue, I guess. Yeah. But that's fun, right? This is interesting. Um, and this is it. I mean, we just get one of these real quick shots for the for our two secondary antagonists here. Mm-hmm. Um, man. So, I mean, this brings up the real elephant of it all, isn't it? Yeah, the, the actor plays villain has passed away. And all season, we're like, you know, is he a one season kind of character? Did his story get resolved? What What is moving forward with this yeah. character? Gonna, his motive hasn't been explained yet. What's going on? No, we still don't really know what exactly he's looking for or what he thinks it will do for him. And um, yeah, now we know for certain that there's more story to tell and he unfortunately will not be able to tell it. So mm. that's led to certainly like, what are we going to do with, with him? Is is this going to be a recast? Is this going to be a, you know, is he going to kind of disappear? I, I've seen theories like, well, they could like kind of have him vanish and then we have to follow his trail kind of thing. And see then he, what exactly befell him. He ends up dying along the way because he can't handle it or something. And and you know Ahsoka or and or Shin are able to like track this down and and follow his path without actually having him present. That could work. Um, you know, there's been a number of like recast ideas I've seen. Uh, just and I think a lot of these are, if we're being honest, just kind of based on appearance, right? Mm-hmm. But the the guy who plays Davos in Game of Thrones, yeah, yeah. has a similar old bearded man look. <laughs> And so does um, Leif Schreiber, who you might know. He was Wolverine in X-Men Origins. Okay, yeah. Among a number of roles. And that's one I that, that's one of the more popular ones I think I've seen gain a little bit of traction. You know, he's a notable, or a somewhat notable actor. He's probably on a similar, you know, standing to, to where Ray Stevenson was, to be honest. Uh, you know, he's not opposed to, like, genre stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be they might end up going... If they do recast, they might end up going with someone less known. I don't know. It's hard to say with something like this. Yeah, I really don't know. I guess what what do you what are your thoughts on this? What do you prefer? Um, I feel like since he passed, I mean the I don't, it's hard to tell if an actor would bring a new actor would bring the same presence that the Bray Stevenson did. So mm-hmm. I almost think it might be a better option to let him like unknowingly perish off screen in his quest for this unknowable force power. And it would make sense. Like there wouldn't be too like stand outy because it's a power that we know even the great mothers of death, the witches of death don't fuck with. And they're, they're all about the yeah. weird force magic. So it's very like, oh, okay, this is so powerful that you shouldn't mess with it. And Balin was wrong to do this. And he paid the price, which is very common. So I think, yeah, I think that could work pretty well and not have to like recast him. Um, it could, right? Cause I mean, ultimately, it's, it seems unlikely that he would get it, right? Yeah. And get what he wants out of it. Like you said, that's a common kind of uh, trope, trope sort of, in this type of story. To be like, well, it's too much, right? Mm. It's, it shouldn't, something shouldn't be trifled with. Yeah, more than you bargained you know, for. Ark of the Covenant and all that. So, I, I agree. I think that could work. I, I would not be opposed to that if they could adapt 
that to the kind of ideas that they already had. I would say in general, I'm also not opposed to recasting. Like you said, that's really kind of the shame of it all is that Ray Stevenson did such an incredible job with this character, right? Mm -hmm. That like for a lot of people, he's one of the highlights of this whole show for him to have, you know, passed is like, is such a blow because it doesn't feel like anyone could readily, you know, replace what he's done here. Mm -hmm. But in general, I usually come down on the side of like, if again, if they can kind of adapt that to the story, then, then that could work. But if there's a lot more to tell with this guy, I'm usually of the opinion that, like, to me, it's almost sadder to abandon that die right? with him. And, and to have it die with him when it could otherwise go on. So, I don't know. Um, I feel like, potentially, nothing against him, but he's, you know, not that massive of an act. Like, basically, what I'm thinking of is, that, is Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther. Right, right. right. I think, he's, if we're just being honest, he's, like, a smaller actor. This is a smaller role. So, there might be less, like resistance to that than there was and and maybe they uh could end up doing that but i don't know i it's the same kind of thing where either way i don't um i don't envy whoever has to make these decisions right oh not at all it's going to be a tough one regardless um okay then thrawn and the great mothers arrive on dathomir in uh the main galaxy which is i think a cool cool decision first time we've seen dathomir in live action ever actually just kind of and we we cut to all their crates so this pretty much confirms that they're just bodies yeah pretty soundly i think so too and it could be like a bunch of night sisters like they're gonna bring them back yeah bring back the night sisters right because they were almost killed all down to almost uh almost entirely like almost 100 percent of them were were genocided by the sister in the clone wars so if they could like completely restart it that would be a very cool uh thing and it makes me wonder just now, I was just thinking about it. Uh, will will they fold Marin and Cal into live action? Then will certain our fallen order notable, friends certain notable night sister character? Huh? Yeah, I, it seems unlikely. I mean, this is something that people brought up for almost everything. Yeah, yeah. They're always trying to make Cal <laughs> almost almost every show since Cal was created. They've been like, is, she, is Cal going to be in the Mandalorian? Is Cal going to be in Obi Wan? Is Cal going to be in the Book of Boba Fett? <laughs> Hey guys, is Cal gonna be in Ahsoka? Hey guys, is Cal is Cal Merak? <laughs> did they make did they make Calcust as evil off screen? Did they kill him or like make give, make him an Inquisitor? God, I hated that one so much. We talked about it, but that was just who could have ever <laughs> to see people they'd be like, man, I'm really I'm pretty sure it's Cal. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> did about? Did you play Fallen Order? The whole part when he like figures sees that have vision. A, have you a thought in your whole brain? God, I hate what you. The fuck are you? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think it could be. I mean, I I had the same thought. I was like, well, there's only other one. There's like one notable Night Sister survivor. So, yeah, or maybe that'll just be the third game. They'll just use their third well, game. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Um, I think it's unlikely we'll we'll see anything about Cal until after the third game because we talked about it. But they have, I, I think they reserve the right to like hold on to him until they've they're done with him. Finished. That. Yeah. Which if I, which they very much should be. I would never want those stories are so good. Those games are incredible. I would never want those to be undercut by someone being like, "Yeah, but what about a cameo in a fucking yeah?" But now he's on both. He's using both to fight the Rancor. Get out of here. Uh, then we have Ezra, who has escaped off of the Star Destroyer with Balin's shuttle, which is cool. He does the classic uh, Ezra, where he knocks a stormtrooper out and steals his armor. Classic Ezra, isn't it? Very much on brand for him. I thought that was a, a nice touch, mm-hmm. and. He makes it to home one, and he re- reunites with uh, Hera. 
the chopper goes up to him. He's like, wait a minute, this guy, he guys, he's like, 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 okay, he's like, this guy smells like someone I know. Hmm. Exactly. That's very fun. Very, very fun for chopper. I think. Yeah. Uh, people, people complain that, that we don't get an on-screen hug between them. What do you think? I don't care. They don't get a hug. <laughs> I don't care. That means... I mean, I really thought it was coming. I was like, well, they do a big hug now. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a space happens. Happens. But I don't really care yeah. either. I, well, I mean, he starts walking towards her. Presumably, they do a hug. Okay? They just walk and go, shake hands and go, oh, good to see you again. Right. But it's also like, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried that it wasn't directly shown on screen. Yeah. And also, it's one of those things where like she's dealing with him a lot in that moment, right? She's like, going on. Thrawn, Thrawn's back. <laughs> She'd be like, Ezra's back. What does that mean about everything else? Yeah. She's obviously, she would be very glad to see Ezra, but also like, <laughs> where's Ahsoka and Sabine? Yeah, he, he didn't come back with the people who went to get you, which means you probably came back with a person they didn't want to bring back. Uh-oh. So, I think it makes sense that there's a lot for her in that moment. But yeah, I'm sure they do a hug, alright? That's like, yeah, it's like his space mom, okay? She probably hugs him. Calm down. I'm done, alright? Get together. Um, and then we end on, uh, we're at the little the hermit crab snail turtle people, and uh, it's night, and it's Sabine's like, I kind of, I kind of feel something out there. What's that? Eh, probably nothing. And then Ahsoka's like, ah, ha, ha, there he is. And it's Forrest Ghost Anakin again, being like, hey, I'm here. Good job. <laughs> you did it. What do you think? I thought it was fine. Did this stir emotions in you? Uh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. I was like, okay. I, I, it's fine ending. I didn't have any problems with it. I thought it was good. I was like, oh, he's there. He's hanging out. He's, he's, he's seeing his apprentice become a master herself. Cool. I wasn't like, I'm going to weep with joy at this. <laughs> it did begin a bit of discourse, which is like, why didn't they do that in the sequels? Why did Force Ghost Anakin never show up? Which for once is a bit of discourse that I actually agree with. I think they could have used him in a couple of different ways, but yeah, it caused a discourse then to be like, um, actually you have to know someone to appear to them as a Forest ghost, but that's never actually been stated. That's, yeah. That's not actual lore. That's like, it's like a conclusion. You could certainly draw based on what we've seen. Um, but I wouldn't say it's concrete one way or the other. If if you're gonna really um actually, and I'm gonna have to um actually back, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You got um it. actually, it's never been officially stated in any canon. Actually, like there's nothing in canon to subject this. Because then people will be like, oh, in the Thrawn trilogy, Obi Wan says he can't see Luke anymore, and he has to become one with the Force, and then that's when I have to be like, <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> not only is the Thrawn canon not true, the sorry, the Thrawn, Thrawn trilogy, not not trilogy. No, you got it. The Thrawn trilogy not canon anymore um it's like 30 years old and that's completely like none of that's accurate this idea that like you have to you can only hang out for like 10 years right because if you look at what actually george lucas ended up doing it's like you've got qui-gon who sticks around for decades after his death right and mm -hmm. he had the hardest time of anyone because he had to like do it all himself you know, so, on the fly. yeah so same with yoda we see yoda in the last jedi right this decades after he's dead, so mm -hmm. now that's that's bogus, completely unsubstantiated. I'm here to I'm here to let you know, Your Honor. It's un you can't do this. Now, I would definitely say that from what we can tell, it's it's very much up to a forest ghost um, to decide who they want to appear to, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, certainly Anakin might say, "Well, I'm not going to appear to Sabine because I don't want to," but I also wouldn't say you're limited in that way. They can do almost anything. We've yeah, talked about this before on the show, but you become a force. You kind of become God. <laughs> yeah. You knew you're like magic. You're like the embodiment of the magic system. They they can see the future. They like they they exist outside of time and space. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a whole rigmarole. 
the world between so the world and I, all that. Yeah, I'm not inclined to put very many limitations at all to what a Force Ghost can and can't do. So that's where I land on that. But yeah, he's there. It's fun. That I guess that proves to any of the doubters that <laughs> what happened in Episode Five was not in Ahsoka's mind. <laughs> Thank Which God. is a theory. Something. What a stupid thing to believe. All right. So we got anything else to say about this to wrap up? Something. Nope. Nope. You're back. You were gone for a sec. Sorry. I was just saying. Now we're. Uh, I don't know. On to the next thing. Again, it's like I understand that it wasn't a complete conclusion to everything, but that's because it wasn't supposed to be. So I don't know what's next. Skeleton Crew is definitely the next thing, but it's unclear still how much that connects to this stuff. I mean, it takes place in the same era as all this shit, so I gotta believe it will, right? But mm-hmm. it's not clear to what extent. And then, I don't know, I mean, you know, there's that movie. It's so funny. That's that's one of the things, like I said, this finale seemed more divisive than the, the episodes that came before. Because there's a lot of people who fell on like, I'm so excited about the movie now, right? Yeah. There were some people who were like, I bet they're not even going to make that movie now because this sh- series was such a failure. And I'm just like, wow, what, you know, what completely divergent viewpoints. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Can we get any more diverse than that? What a time to be alive, you know? God bless. So I, it's got to come around sooner or later. I don't know. I would assume we're getting more Mandalorian before then. I was Probably thinking, another season of this. That's what I assumed. I assumed that Ahsoka was going to get back. And then they're going to be in a season season four of the Mandalorian, and then the movie. That could work, I think. Yeah. I was also speaking of the movies that the director of the Ray movie has been has dropped out or isn't doing it anymore. No. Did you really? I saw it a little bit ago. Yeah. You did not. Hold on. Fuck. What's his name? He did um Indiana Jones. Why did I think? Maybe you're right. Oh no. This seems fine. Oh, is it fine? Yeah. What do you so? I just saw some post um, about it on something. Because uh, James Mangold is doing the the like origin of the Jedi movie, mm-hmm. and then the she uh, I I don't know her name exactly, um, but she's she worked on Miss Marvel. She did a couple episodes of that, I think. Right. She's the one who's in the Ray movie. It's it's I don't know. From what I can discover here, it seems fine. Oh, that's good. That's really yeah, good. Yeah. Did you maybe you saw the Taika Waititi one, which is dead. <laughs> No, because the the picture was Ray. Okay, so maybe maybe I, maybe I saw like just a fake thing or a misconstrued well, thing. Yeah, you, you never know with a uh, clickbait and the like. Yeah, I'm just glad it was fake because I'm like they can't they can't lose the director. Come on, that that one is true though. The Taika Waititi one is apparently dead. So <laughs> damn it, because it'll just make like a soccer one or something. Yeah, I'll just make a, a soccer movie. Man, that's crazy over there. I mean, we we've we've said it before, but we may just never get another Star Wars movie, and that'll just be that. Yeah, that's it. No more Star Wars. So hard to say, really. Who knows what'll happen, Jack? Yeah, who can say? Uh, but yeah, you got anything else to? Uh, uh no, no, not really. We can probably I could take out into our final topic, the finale of the Continental Event season. They call it like an event, yeah. Uh, the something like that. Oh, what is this episode called? Parade of Pain. Carnival of Carnage? It's something like that. I, um, I really can't I'll remember. let you know in a second. I wasn't even taking note of the titles of these, to be honest. Oh, speaking of titles, real quick, we forgot to mention this, but the title of the last episode of Ahsoka was uh, The Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. Oh, I, I, I thought was... I did like that one, yeah. I thought that was fun. That did cause some discord. Someone was like, are we kidding? Literally stealing directly from J.R.R. Tolkien, huh? <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> that's insane. That's what the fuck. That's gotta Wait, be. It's, I don't know. I mean, I thought so too, but then there was like pe- people were correcting him, and he was like, "Oh, thanks for the correction, I guess." Like, <laughs> but but kind of like like well, my point still stands, but <laughs> kind of thing. And I, I don't yeah. know. It could have been Jake, but I was just like, "Wow, Jesus um, Christ, Christ Almighty!" What a well, because yeah, I mean, it's obviously just silly. It's just the absolute <laughs> goofiest thing. To imply that he, what he's suing is somehow like, uh, you know, intellectually dishonest by by stealing <laughs> a title from an as if it's not just like a an homage, right? Like, what? yeah, it's, it's it's not like he's making like, oh, this is the only one that exists. It's clear, like, this is similar to a thing you know, and that's why it's fun. I'm just doing a fun reference here. It's just the title. I think the titles in general have been fun, right? Yeah, there was like Toil and Trouble earlier, which is just like far, far away. I don't know. Yeah, far, far away. He's just been having a bit more fun with it, I think, than some people. And I think that's cool. So, yeah. The Lion, the or the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. The famous J.R.R. Uh, Tolkien book. <laughs> the, the famous J.R.R. Tolkien book. Ah, oh, Christ. Uh, anyways. So, yeah, the kind of, it's called Theater of Pain. Theater of Pain. I was close. I, the, I was so, the it's the big... You were, you were. Uh, I mean, this is it. It's a big climax, right? We're doing the big thing. Yeah. So, uh... So, We've got all our, our characters in order, right? And we're going to do our big attack on the Continental to really fuck up Mel Gibson. Mm. <laughs> we, uh, right? Every, everyone falls into place here. Oh, yeah. We get, we do the final preparations. Uh, Gene, like, pretends to be an exterminator and gets him out of her house to, like, have a good shot at the hotel. Uh, they start getting C4. The cop lady's still looking for, um, what's his face? Frankie. Frankie. And then Winston. Winston and his results. Uh, so we're all falling in line. The sister of Miles' sister, whose name I never remember. Lou? Isn't it Lou? Lou, yes, Lou. She has, she's starting to have more problems with the guy who runs Chinatown. So those everything's kind of starting to build up right before their attack. Um, we see that Frankie is, it succeeds eventually in recruiting the, um, not, what do they call what is their group called? The home, the homeless people group. Oh, I don't know. They like she's like the Bowery Queen, right? Bowery Queen. That's what it was. Yeah, the Bowery Queen. And her people to help them in their attack of the Continental. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when does the does she, the scene with Sharon happens? Pretty early, right? Where he's. Well, it's like once we're in there. Yeah, once they actually start, once they get in and try to start to raid. I it. mean, so we get everyone involved, and yeah, we. He brings the the Bowery Queen over for sure, so that they have their quote unquote army. You said everyone gets in place, and we all are here. Um, and then Winston is is like kidnapped, mm-hmm. captured from is it from his hotel? Like his hotel? Yeah, his hotel. The 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 assassin dude shows up. Yeah, and they they get him and uh, drag him off to the uh, the Continental. Which... And he's all like, oh, "I got you now." Gotcha, it's me, Mel Gibson. Sharoni tried to take him from me, but I won. I'm the big winner. And, uh, except this was all part of the plan, maybe? It seems like it. Because Gene's there to, uh, provide a little sniper support. And then Sharon was in on it the whole time. So that was a, a question for us last, after last week, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, is, I mean, it seemed kind of obvious. I, I mean, obviously, we know Sharon has to come around eventually. So the question is just, is he already on side and is just pretending, or is he not? Um, and it seems like it was the the former, right? So mm, yeah, it was all part of the plan that he goes back and pretends to not to have not been convinced and to still be loyal to Cormac, so that he can then do the 
through this 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 later betrayal. But he can't bring himself to do it to, to pull the trigger on him, basically. Yeah. So Cormac gets out, and we we set off the whole the whole mad dash, right? And it's basically really? just I mean, it's a whole episode of action, mostly just carnage. Right? In true John Wick fashion, I think. Oh yeah. They uh they they said Lemmy downstairs with some C four to send C four up the tubes to different rooms to a lot of fun. Of, that's fun. Uh, they he fights one of those like phone women. Yeah, like one of hatchet. those one of the suicide girl switchboard operators. Yeah, there's like a hatchet into her chest or something. He doesn't want to. Yeah, it's kind of fun. He's like, oh, I don't want to fight you because clearly she's like a pretty woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, doesn't really give him a choice. No, he goes to the kill. She's more than happy to fight him. <laughs> uh, again, Jean's providing sniping the whole time, which is fun. Um, and then, I don't know, I guess Miles is just kind of a shooter in there. Yeah, and they're trying. the whole thing is they're trying to get to the armory so they can get all the weapons before yeah. all the assassins or the, the people of the Cormac do. So they get there, and then he's like, oh, I got you, Frankie. I got, or not Frankie, Winston, I got all my guys. You and Sharon are ruined, but he's like, actually, it's even. And then half the guys are actually from the Bowery Queen, um, who are all dressed up like people who are loyal to him. And yeah, that's pretty good. Snuck him in there. Yeah, we don't get this until later on, but whatever. Uh, They had actually he had he had found the coin press, and they used it to make some more coins so that they could all get in. He gives the Bowery Queen so they can operate within the yeah the bounds of the of the table. So they get in there and don't draw any suspicion by all buying rooms and now he's got a bunch of people on the inside um yen is there she's trying to find the twins specifically because they killed frankie and she wants to kill them uh meanwhile lou is still at the dojo or whatever you or no that is what they call it but yeah but he doesn't like that because it's not he doesn't like that um and uh mobster guy shows up and he's like come on you gotta play by the rules around here don't you get it it's me i'm from new york He's doing that classic mobster stuff, you know? And he's like, no, we're going to rough up, we're going to smash up your business. Um, but she has, has come full circle on her arc here and and come to a, you know, a, a decision of sorts with this, that it's not about the physical place, I guess. It's, mm. it's more symbolic than that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Turns out our father was like, a hitman also. Yeah, he he wasn't exactly the, the person that she had an image of. And... I I guess if I had to take it, I would take this as like she chooses to embrace the idea of his memory more so than like the actual the yeah deed. literal you know this physical like because she's as all season has treated the dojo as like this physical representation of him and all this and I think now instead she chooses it again more like symbolically right so mm. the dojo itself doesn't need to be there but his ideas of like well he doesn't play by their rules and he kind of resisted them gets to live on because. Uh, she blows them all up in it. <laughs> yeah, she puts so. up this, the most of the C four they've got, and just kind of gets them. What's that little kid who got his arm cut off free? Yeah, and it, and explodes the dojo with them all inside, so they're all dead now. Um, I I mean, so she gets the last last on that one, the last laugh on that one, really, doesn't she? Mm. Uh, then back in the hotel, the the red light goes on, so everyone's ready to kill, <laughs> kill, kill, kill. It's crazy. So we got a bunch of like eclectic assassin characters right with all manner of outfits and weaponry running around cross crossbows and ninja swords and the like Just and all that grand old time and um i mean from here on it's basically off it's just chaos yeah well, i guess this is before technically we get to the vault but 
It's just sure. a bunch of shootout in the hallways, basically. It's going crazy. It's it's mm-hmm. the action scene that we we see from the the trailers. Just a bunch of fighting in the in the thing. Oh, also KD is there. She got a coin from someone. Where'd you get a coin? From the people who attack Frankie and kidnap him. She okay. kills one of them and then steals a coin from him. So she gets into the. So she's in there too. She's on the inside and having a, a fun time as well. And then, um, yeah, like you said, you know, what's his what's his name? Lemmy fights his way to the mail Basement. room with, or whatever it is with the. The pneumatic tubes. Uh, Yen eventually finds the twins at the vault. Is when all the all of uh, Winston's double agents are revealed. Mm. There's a big shootout in the dark, but Mel Gibson sneaks off. He breaks the key in the door, so he can't. No one can get it. No one can get it. Uh, what else happens? Yen tries to suicide bomb the twins, but then Miles is like, "What if you didn't do that? <laughs> yeah, what if we don't suicide bomb in the building we're all still in?" That wouldn't really do much because then you'd be dead too. And she's like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't be dead too. That's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, that's right. He's like, also, we can speak Vietnamese now. I think he could the whole time, couldn't he? Because oh. of the war. He was there too. All oh, right. But I guess it's that he explains the whole story in English. I think. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that's just. Oh, but even in that conversation, he talks to her in Japanese or Vietnamese. So. Right, right. I guess I forgot that. I think the thing is that I think the bigger revelation was from that scene was that she could speak English fine or at least understand it, I should say. Yeah, that's true. Um, then I mean, so what's his name? Cormac makes his way to the operations room, which has a bunch of cameras, and he's sort of directing the the battle from there. But he doesn't know where that is, or they don't know where that is to find him and get him. Yeah, it's like a secret room that you're not supposed to have access to. So that's their new objective. Uh Winston has a confrontation with KD, where she's like, "Hey, the reason I've been so..." motivated to find you guys all season is because i was in that house that you molotoved when you were like 10 which is quite the revelation i think yeah because i was i was thinking i was like why i'm like why is she so gun-ho about these guys Uh i was like oh that makes sense she's her whole family uh burned horribly to death ah um it also explains the scars that we see in Mm. the very first episode there which i thought was kind of cool you could you can like reverse engineer that all together now yeah because in there that like sex scene they have it's like is she like, burned what's that about and, and her strong this? sense of justice mm-hmm. um so she's another new loose cannon in here uh the the lady whose apartment gene is in <laughs> returns just early for a bit of a bit of fun he just kind of sits her up and ties like i can't leave i don't gonna hurt you so i always let you comfortably sit till i'm done killing all these people that's a bit funny a bit quirky fits into some of the other it's like the cop thing right from john wick like oh well you're not really part of this so you know they have have a sense of honor to a degree don't they yeah if you're not if you're not playing the game they they won't pull you in you're not supposed to Mm. um eventually the twins catch wind of this and send a grenade back to or the one twin at least sends a grenade back to lemmy so he gets uh well, he gets grenaded pretty good. Yeah, they, you can't really get a grenade too well. And then the one tube that goes to the operations room is destroyed in the grenading. Which is very inconvenient for them. Uh, Miles seems like he's going to get beat up by the the twin, the brother twin. But then Lou gets there just in the nick of time. They do a big melee karate fight with this guy. And they get his ass, don't they? Just barely. Well, just barely. He's about to get them both. He's he's teaming them. And then the, the Vietnamese kid or whoever he is? No. He'd be Chinese. The Chinese kid. The little one-armed Chinese kid drops the gun from the ceiling and she shoots him right through the eye. You got a good, like, him looking around with his socket. Classic stuff, huh? And he says objects talk to him sometimes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> K 
can he like what is he got Kale's force echo ability what psychometry yeah what's that yeah. about what the fuck interesting detail to add in there right at the end okay creators of the continental this child has magic powers is that what you're telling me we, we can't add any more i came in for the bell arena when uh what is it and and they aren't a force push <laughs> what um they start exploding every room in the hotel which is fun it's a fun little montage we're just they send send them in tube after tube that's kind of fun blowing them all up getting rid of them um Winston and Sharon find a dumb waiter to carry themselves all to the 13th floor, mm-hmm. but they're too late. By the time they get there, Mel Gibson has already escaped, and what he's done is there's like a, some sort of destruction sequence. <laughs> a self-destruct thing in the yeah. hotel, which I gotta say, I feel like they went a bit to f- jump the shark a little bit here, personally. Yeah, we just gotta blow up the Continental because all our secrets are gonna be revealed. What? I mean, it makes sense to an extent um, that there would be a mechanism like this in place, right? Yeah. I guess, right? That, like, this is a... Yeah, I mean, the the secretive nature of it all, that, yeah, you would, like, have something in place like this to where, yeah, you could destroy everything in there and, and all the evidence and so on. But, I don't know, it's this weird futuristic, like, handprint scanner thing. You gotta remember this show takes place in, like... 1970s. Right? In the same vein when the guy in there Orson is talking about he has an algorithm predicting the outcome of the like what what are you talking about an algorithm like my man's got AI in here like dude it's 1975 or whatever what the fuck like I think it's just 1970 was it literally like yeah, I think you need literally... to calm down like yeah, what are you movies aren't even about? good yet movies just got good it's the first year movies are good but you gotta wait yeah Star Wars hasn't even come out yet how could you be talking about this how do you have advanced AI what are you what is this 2001 a space odyssey that's a movie you've seen yeah it's, and you're like they build hail they're like i think we can build hail weird i thought that was also just completely unnecessary like why it just didn't do anything for him to be like yes i have an advanced algorithm predicting the outcome of this I, whatever uh yen fights the girl twin out in the whatever pool courtyard pond thing area we gotta we gotta show that once because that's a very important location mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um she the way she ends it is that the girl thing is like all right i gotta use this bomb vest get it out of this water and then she like blows her up but that c4 vest only destroys her and the water barely moves the rocks are undamaged mm-hmm. i was like would this have even killed the twins if you set it off right in front of them ah uh, yeah seems like <laughs> a bit it, silly it wouldn't have because the whole thing of c4 is that it should explode like equally in all the directions basically unless it was a shaped charge but if she had shaped it to be inwards right yeah. then or maybe she i don't know i get what you're saying though <laughs> they it's definitely a little bit too much like it perfectly explodes her and everything else is fine it's untouched but it's and it also is one of those things where it goes a little too long i feel where she's like oh the bomb vests on me oh 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 the and highly turned assassin who whose leg got broken and was fine fought more and almost won. She waits there for like too many more seconds when she could have like I don't know. Do, let it really, go. Yeah, just make it. Yeah, just make it go a little faster so it doesn't feel like she's sitting there like, oh boy, you got me. Better Uh-oh. just sit here and take this. <laughs> I deserve it. So, um, the hotels in 
self-destruct mode and it starts because like even the rooms start like shifting and stuff i don't know like what is going on it's it feels they're, they're transferring liquids it feels a bit much again yeah i can't tell what is destroying the hotel if it was like there's just a bunch of bombs in the different rooms and stuff and the whole hotel's gonna implode that's fine that that would probably do you just as well yeah instead of this weird convoluted sci-fi mechanism but fine um the high table adjudicator lady calls and she's like oh do you need help now and he's like oh uh, yeah uh, i'm really whiffing it here she's like yeah i don't know if i want to she's like whatever fuck you i'm out of here and that's when uh we we pursue him through his his escape hatch of some kind where he's got a little escape buggy escape train rail cart thing i don't know what that is <laughs> very weird has like a just a voice that's like yeah keep your hands and you know here's your escape pod man huh Again. It's it's all a bit much. Yeah, I feel but a little too far. Mel Gibson and him have a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, and then in that fight, it's re- after that's revealed. Like, oh yeah, I knew there are people in that building, and I did that on purpose because I'm gonna traumatize you so you become a soldier for me because you never can come back from burned a bunch of people alive. And right? Even though you almost sh- did. And he says it in direct earshot of Katie conveniently, so that she knows to absolve him of most of his guilt. And place it all on Mel Gibson, who she promptly executes. <laughs> like a good like a good New York 70s cop. That's right. <laughs> Just start executing them. Oh, and Jack, do process schmoo spashes. Huh? <laughs> not, not in the step not in the stop and frisk capital of the world. <laughs> uh and they also so Winston's able to turn the self destruct off, I guess. By cutting by cutting his hand off with the rail car, I assume. Something like that. Unless he had a big machete in his pocket. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, they turn it off and the whole the hotel doesn't explode. Or does it? Or is, is that why? Is it, uh, who can say? They play Bob O'Reilly. Classic. That's by the Who. You can't go wrong with that. Never go wrong with that. The music in this show overall has been fun. Lots of, you know, era appropriate pop music. Uh, Jean's like, "Hey, sorry about murdering a bunch of people from your from your house. Sorry about that." And she's like, "You want to go on a date?" <laughs> I I hate that hotel. I'm glad you killed those people. Huh? This lady's crazy. Well, a, bit wild. a bit crazy, but I mean, I guess that's what you'd need, huh? Because it's like, well, I mean, the hotel's still going to be there. It's just going to be a uh, under new management. Yeah. And then the adjudicator shows up and is like, "We all we all have a drink first. Yeah, we celebrate. all a little bit of drink in the dusty saloon because everyone died." And the adjudicator's like, it's not, mm, we're going to put a hold on this until we can figure out what's going on. He's like, I got a better idea, bitch, and just shoots her in the face. <laughs> <laughs> bit crazy. I, um, you know, I thought the obvious route for this was going to be like, she'd roll up and be like, well, we need a new guy. What do you think? Right? That seemed the obvious course, no? I would say. Because, I mean, listen, not to yuck anyone's yum here. We do know that Winston becomes the manager of the hotel, so for many, many years and highly respected. So it's kind of like seemed inevitable. So for her to be like, "We're not letting you in, Winston," um, I guess it just shows how shitty they all are, right? And it's just a, they got their power and their whole rat race. Yeah, and they're enforcing their, you know, class and their will over it. You know, you get it, like yeah. We're the one percenters of the world, and we won't let even you in. There's yeah, no upward does... mobility, even in <laughs> the assassin <Yeah>. world. <laughs> you have to stay in the bottom. Here's a cheeky little step off the continental prize. Like I'm not on. Ooh, just like in um. <laughs> ooh, ooh. ooh, 
which which is which also happens in John Wick where he touches the stair and then Sharon's yeah. like, hold on, can't do anything. We're, we're pretty big on this. Hey, 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 hey watch it now. Off. You know what this building's about. Um, but yeah, again, I, I was kind of surprised with this route. I guess this sets up like potentially some kind of season two follow up to this. Seems like it. Because again, it seemed really easy from this point to just be like, and now Winston's in charge of the Continental. Cue events of John Wick one through four. Yeah, please refer to all those movies on Peacock. <laughs> But instead, they're like, you can't have it, Winston. And he's like, well, I'm going to kill you, and then we'll see what. And it's like, I guess we will see what. <laughs> uh, yeah, are we? Are they going to renew it, huh? I don't know. Because um, he does not return the coin press to them. And uh, it's, you know. And he just kills the adjudicator. It seemed a bit far, to be honest. I don't know if he needed to kill that woman to get his yeah. point across. We see that she's I don't a know what she really did. deformed face. All the yeah, skin has gone from her lips. Of course, we finally see what the deal with her face was why like what is that what is there anything to that maybe no that's kind of how i feel like he's, i he's mean okay call- yeah her enforcer has cauliflower ear that was kind of gross yeah i did notice that as well i was like he's a big but yeah it's just like all, yeah for some reason her whole lips are all ripped off i have no clue what's going on there or what her deal is you know was when you think the high table was did, did that to her i yeah i don't know was it i i who could know, right? Like, <laughs> she's just dead. So, I, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. Again, it seems like they're probably going to set up a later, some kind of follow-up to this, or mm. not. I I don't know. Who, know. Who could say? Now, was I just not paying it close enough attention, or did that conversation, was that the first time it was revealed to us that Frankie was stealing the coin press for the high table? I think it was. Okay, I thought so too, but I was like, did I miss something? And maybe that's why he shot her, is like out of anger, because he's like, well, you set up my brother, like you're the reason he's dead kind of thing. That's what, I, it's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's why he might, okay. he might go on a, like, a revenge tour to show that he's powerful, and that table's going to be like, all right, so if you, stop, if you stop killing everyone, we'll let you have the Continental. Like the end of John Wick 3. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, I think that could be it too. Because she's like, well, if he had just done what he was supposed to do, we wouldn't have all this mess. And he's, and that's kind of when he shoots her. So I guess maybe that's that's what it is. As he's like, well, fuck you. You've the reason my brother died for no reason because of all your bullshit internal politics here. So well, there he is, and then and then he's drinking at the top of the Continental, I guess. So he does kind of have it in a way. We'll see how that goes. Continental season two? Mm-hmm. Question mark. What do we think? Uh, uh, <laughs> what? So we not sure. What do we think? I was like, uh, I was fine. It does most of the John Wick stuff. It it does John Wick stuff you want to see. I wasn't crazy about the other characters who weren't like Winston and Frank. Who aren't like, John Wick? Yeah, I don't I care about Lou. No, that's that's kind of where I fall in. Is like I feel like this this kind of goes to show like maybe the biggest reason that John Wick is good is because Keanu Reeves. <laughs> maybe <laughs> John Wick. You know, like because this again it has almost all the elements. This has almost everything else from a John Wick movie. It's just that no one in here is quite as compelling as Keanu Reeves in that role, right? Yeah. Like, Young Winston's fine, you know? Young Sharon is Young fine. Young Sharon is, is good. It's just like, do we like any of these people as much as John Wick, though? No. No, never. So, I mean, we kind of asked that at the beginning of the season. It's like, is this a worthwhile addition to the whole thing? Yeah. I think if you like these, if you movie. like this, this movie, world. Yeah, this is a world you're interested in, then yes, I think this show didn't do anything really poorly at all. Like, I think it was executed pretty well overall. 
Uh, but in general, like if you're not a big John Wick diehard, if you're just like, well, I like those movies, then maybe you'd be you'd watch this and be like, well, no one in this is as is as interesting as John Wick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's just gonna be a difference in people. I feel right if you're the type yeah, of person who who gets invested in worlds like that or not. And again, it's kind of like shows the sort of uh, I don't know, like the the potential shortcomings in that uh, again that idea that like everything needs to be a universe so yeah. i don't know overall i think it's fine but uh yeah i'm I'm not sure how i f- i'm not completely like over the moon i guess yeah about the whole like john wick expanded universe here yeah crazy about the ballerina see that one i think would be cool because i think ana de armas has the potential to be really compelling in that role Right mm-hmm. again, I think you need like a lead, and again, this that's not to say that this guy does anything wrong. Um, the, the young Winston guy is fine. Um, I think everyone's good in this show. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Somehow it feels a little bit more like paint by numbers, like we're just doing the stuff to do it. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I did see that uh, Chad Stileski or whatever said this week something about like he's got John Wick five through nine mapped out, whatever the hell five that through means. nine. It was something I'll, I'll bring it up real quick. That's insane. Well, it is, isn't it? Because it's like, what does that mean? Okay, here it is. Yeah, this was just two days ago. Chad Stileski says, um, he was asked where the John Wick franchise was headed following the ending of John Wick 4, which saw him seemingly die after a duel. He says, I have notebooks and notebooks of shit behind me. John Wick's 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We have ideas for days. We don't have the story locked. I have no interest in doing the cash grab of bringing John Wick back to life. Is he a character I like? Of course. And if I did a couple of John Wick movies, great. Keanu would do one again in a second if we had a good story. We leave that open-ended. I know the studio would love us to say we have another one. So, there you go. <laughs> uh... We've got the Continental Show now. It only took us... I swear to God, I felt like it took 10 years for this show to get made. So here it is. Um, and then, yeah, the ballerina also taken a million years. I can't and wait for John Wick to have almost as many movies as Fast and the Furious. I don't think those are... I mean, what he, from what he just said, it doesn't seem likely that there's necessarily going to be a bunch of those. But yeah. He just has ideas, I guess. It's probably just concepts as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, India Hotel. <laughs> uh, America Hotel. <laughs> A di- uh, different America, though. It's uh, like a Texas. Texas. It's like yeah. a Texas continental. They're like cowboys. They got shotguns and boots. Oh, uh, uh, South oh America. God. It's World War yeah. in the hotels. <laughs> it's hell. Uh, like Arctic. Like it's like a Norway one. It's like cold. It's like, it's like real cold as snow. They have igloos. The Vikings actually were the assassins. It's the fall of Constantinople. John Wick's also there. It's his ancestor. These two assassins created. <laughs> Hey, there's some the the origin of all assassins. John Wick was, was secretly in the Assassin's Creed universe all along. Ezio's yeah, gonna come back. My goodness, but yeah, I think I think that's the only other one though. It's the ballerina. So <laughs> on Wikipedia, it says that this movie. Oh no, never mind. Next year, okay, twenty four. Next year, June of next year, supposedly. We'll see. We'll see. Well, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah, the spec script for this movie was in 2017. That's seven years ago when uh, when it comes Ooh. out. They've been taken for Jack. They've been dragging their feet on these far too long. That was like what before John Wick two even came out. Oh yeah, you see what I mean? They're taking forever on these. They're taking forever. But you know what? I'm into it. Norman Reedus is in it. Well, that's fun. Okay. Well, you know, did Lance Reddick bad. actually film for this movie? That would be interesting. The more you know. I like Norman Reedus. He has a different movie where he's kind of an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen the Boondock Saints? 
No, but I know Willem Dafoe's in it. And he's also in John Wick. Would you look at that? Let's look at that. I forgot Willem Dafoe's in John Wick for just a moment. He's in it for well, he's in it for more than a moment. Well, I meant just I meant in the in terms of the franchise. Yeah, 2017 is also when they started working on the Continental. And it was going to be on stars. That's how on far st- back this goes. On before, stars. Before Peacock was a a twinkle in NBC's eye. <laughs> yeah, a twinkle in some soulless studio executive's eye. <sighs> All right, Jack. I think that about brings us home for this week. All right, for our, for our four show spectacular. What a great time! The so four show, the show, ex, ex, the show ex, 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 exchange as extravaganza. Yeah, but they do a thing. They'll do like a you know you combine extravaganza with the word, but I couldn't do it just then. I was. <laughs> Show again, show again. I don't know. Show a palooza. I like show a palooza. Our four show a palooza, Jack. We did it. We did it. All right, now so we're all done. <laughs> Woo, super Loki. We're up, up right about here. Then, uh, as always, you can find us wherever your podcasts every week. You can find us on social media on Twitter at Akatech Jazz, it's Akatech J A Z, on Gmail at Akatech Jazz at gmail.com, or on Instagram at The Akatech Podcast. Our logo was done by friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. Our intro was done by friend of the show, Joey B. You can find him on Instagram and SoundCloud and Spotify with his various musical projects and where he's performing. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night and Godspeed.